Well, I'm here outside Stamford Bridge, home of the top flight Chelsea Football Club. And years ago, on these very streets, rival gangs of football hooligans used to run amok and fight pitched battles. The thugs claimed to be fans of the clubs, but in fact they were often nothing more than simple-minded hooligans intent on causing as much disruption as possible. Teams with names like Chelsea and, of course, their arch-rivals, Millwall, those names became synonymous with football violence and with crowd trouble. Now, the reason for the death of the football hooligan, some people say, was either the rise of the ecstasy tablet and uh, of rave culture, or perhaps that they, the thugs, simply got bored. You're wrong there, mate. We're not dead. We were just resting. I mean, what did you think? We'd be pilled up and dancing like cunts in muddy fields for the rest of our lives. It's in man's nature to fight. And when the drugs stopped working, we came back to football. You know, um, oh, yeah. the big burly guy, what's his name? Billy Bryan. Um, Frank Arthur, that's the actor's name. Oh, yeah. You know He's the, the guy I mean? who plays the NF leader yes. in This Is England. Yeah, yeah. Mm, he does. Yeah, he does. Yes. That one scene. Yeah. That one scene in the yeah, pub. Yeah, yeah. What have I come into here? <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about Irish film. He was telling me to watch Line of Duty on okay. Netflix. And then it sort of went from that to Adrian Dunbar. So then, talking about <laughs> Irish John actors, Lee, Irish actors, Who's and then to Frank Harper, who seems to be anything but an Irish actor. <laughs> Who's the best Irish actor, JP? Sorry. Who's the best Irish actor? <laughs> uh, Brendan Gleeson. Do you reckon he's the best ever? Um, he's in the conversation. Do you want me to read you an excerpt from the Football Factory novel? Oh. <laughs> the show started. They just go for it. <laughs> <laughs> hold, on, hold on let me just find it uh hold on hold on let me the curry boys can't lose you're wedged in ordering a stack of poppadoms and six pints of lager and you know it's going to be carlsberg but it's always carlsberg and curry asses but it tastes wrong if you're in your accompanied by a bit of danish maybe it's down a bolt buying or something brewed by danes for indians fucking right where else does europe give you apart from a few dodgy lagers. Not like the Commonwealth shunted out the back door. You'd rather have a curry any day of the week. None of that French muck the rich bastards eat. Fucking wankers. If they want to be French, fuck off to France. What the frogs ever done for the English? The cunts come over here in 1066, stuck an arrow in someone's head, and built a load of stone churches. <laughs> <laughs> they make the rich cunts speak their language while the rest of us are told our words are filth. Fuck off. And they fucking sided with the Germans when they rolled into France in the war. No bollocks, those cunts. No fucking pride. 
Hang on to the curries and JA sand systems, but the place is packed and you're lucky to get in because there's blokes being turned away a few minutes later. Mobs of geezers, not taking it well, stroppy cunts, and can't see there's no tables left. Too fucking bad, pal. And there's four birds of the next table, right old slags by the look of them, <laughs> fit bodies, couple of them butt fucked up faces, all shagged out like cunts. No, hold on. All shagged out cunts. Like the Mersey Tunnel, most likely. Whoa. What was the, that straggler song? Something about <laughs> love to the Mersey Tunnel. You can't remember kiddie memories. Fuck it. They're pissed up, looking over, and you... Ah, oh, I can't. I've got to stop. <laughs> this is all one paragraph. Fucking hell. That's a good impression of JP you were doing there, by the way. <laughs> I, I am not like that. That's not me. I don't do that. <laughs> oh, Jesus You like a bit Christ. of da- Danish and a curry house, I d- don't you? I, I quite like a curry. I, I don't really like Carlsberg I was, at all. Nor do I. I was thinking it's Cobra or Kingfisher and curry house. Yeah, exactly. Bring your own booze. Yeah, that's usually the case, isn't it? It's like, yeah, it's like a, oh, oh yeah, a special events. I'm going to drink, I'm going to drink an Indian beer while I have my Indian food. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, it's been, it's been co-opted by the English, hasn't it? So maybe that's the... Uh... Oh, this... <laughs> always push anyone in the direction of the great goodness gracious me sketch with um uh people going for an english oh, and, yeah in, in in india and that was absolutely brilliant stuff we've started haven't we we've definitely started i mean yeah that's kind of sums up brexit really it, it's timely uh, is the, would you recommend the book joe is it better than the film I- I've not read it. A mate of mine sent me. Me and him have lots of in jokes about football hooligan based films, and uh, he sent me a he sent me a screenshot of the page from uh, the Football Factory book, which I think he picked up at a bookshop the other day. And yeah, um, <laughs> I was quite Jesus. amazed when I was. Uh, it's just the rantings of Tommy Robinson, really, isn't it? I didn't realise Football Factory was based on source material. I thought it was the genius of Nick Love, if, I, if I'm honest with you. <laughs> no, no, no. Because I remember the, the opening paragraph slags off Coventry. What, and in, it the, says, in the book? It says, fuck Coventry, because it's Coventry away is how it starts off in the book. Is it Chelsea and Mill in the book as well? Yeah, I think there is. Right. It's all like that. But right. the film is... The Football Factory is, is one of the, the most vilest films I've ever seen. Oh, to a certain generation, all the associate football factory with is Danny Dyer. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was the first thing I ever saw with it. And, de- back. and I have to say, a depiction of Liverpool, that Liverpool is closer to Beirut. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's literally like they're on like the side of a motorway somewhere. It is definitely not Liverpool. Like They're in Warrington or somewhere like that, and the guy doing the accent is absolutely terrible. Um yeah, almost as bad as a Zia Brookside's accent on NXT UK. They're, they're trying to pretend she's from Liverpool now. Which, uh, Is she? Doesn't work for me. Yeah, it, it's, it's like she's got no Scouse accent whatsoever, but they're still going with hometown Liverpool. Gotta love it. Right, interesting. Family links. They're from Leeds, aren't they? Is it Leeds where the Brooksides are kind of based now? I'm sure that's where the school is. Leicester, Leicester is. Yeah, because him and Jim yeah. Smallman did a radio show together that's some years right. ago, didn't he? Yeah. That's right. Uh, so, oh, speaking of books, by the way, Joe, I mean, I know... Have you have you got anywhere your Boise book? Uh, have you do it? <laughs> no, I've been recently reading a um, bit of light reading before bed. Peter Crouch's autobiography, which um, I believe his podcast's good. I've not listened to I've it. I've not heard his podcast. I've been told to listen to it by a few people mm. actually, but uh, mm. the book is 
quite a laugh. It's pretty easy to read before mm. bed. Um, great bit about how he pulled up in a Bentley that he picked up in Manchester, and he was at the traffic lights next to Roy Keane on the day he bought the car, and he <laughs> done his window down. It was like, all right, Roy. Roy Keane looked away, shook his head, and he went and sold the Bentley straight after because he was <laughs> embarrassed by it. I was like, yeah, that's what Roy Keane does too, yeah. I'd judgment. <laughs> He got signed by Burnley, didn't he? In this like this tra- this transfer window, just I can't believe Peter Crouch is still an active footballer in 2019. It's seriously, <laughs> I thought the wind up at first. Mm. I saw this and it was like, first of all, I mean, we were talking about this earlier on between me and Joe about how thank God transfer deadline day is much less of a thing because mm. it was when did it jump the shark? I think, I think it was when those Everton fans wobbled that dildo in the uh, yes. reporters' ear that yes. one year. After then, they stopped doing the training ground stuff so much, and it, it just got a little bit too professional and PC for me. No, Harry Redknapp involved in management probably also led to that with him leaning out his car window. <laughs> yeah. All, all manner of uh, shiftiness. <laughs> <laughs> it's gone to the dogs, Harry. Oh, God, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I, thought we, I think that might be the idea. Peter Crouch, like, sign up podcaster. What next? Sign up some YouTubers as well. Oh, come on. Don't, don't, don't denigrate the good man like that. He's a journeyman. <laughs> He'll do a job Nothing there. Again. He will. He'll pop up with like a 94th minute goal at some point. Against us. Yeah. Mm. You're telling me you don't want to hear him and Sean, about his stories about him and Sean Dyche it out. I do. I think David Squire's cartoons in The Guardian will now step up a whole other level now that he signed there. So for that reason alone, I'm quite happy about it. <laughs> yeah. All right, Pete. Oh, that was an awful <laughs> impression of Sean Dyche. Ignore that. I've been watching the, uh, the the Sunderland documentary on Netflix as well. Have you seen any of that? That's, that's a place where I could imagine to turn up. Oh, it's so depressing, isn't it? Pretty bleak. Yeah. It's mm. pretty bleak. Did you see the previous Sutherland documentary, Premier Passions, in 1997? <laughs> no, what's that? I've never heard of that. Oh, oh. yeah. Mid-late oh, well, mid night is great. They get relegated in the 96-97 season. Yeah. Mm. Peter Reid. Um, <laughs> it, it's pretty funny. Uh, it's even bleaker. And uh, you just... The, it should be all over that, Benno. Peter Reid, isn't it? That's yeah, Everton legend right there, eh? <laughs> see him around sometimes still. Is he on? Is he big time on the booze? He always looks pissed whenever I see him on TV now. Yeah, he's kind of got that red nose going. As he's got the uh, he was managing in India. He was sat there with a with a bandana, kind of a la a la Hulk Hogan. (laughs) Sat on the bench managing (laughs) the Indian Premier League. Peter Reid. Peter Reid. Not taking the piss. And he was in India, but a bandana. Oh, there's been a whole yeah. It's like there are sort of little snapshots in time around football where the maddest things happen. Like just got a... the Milan striker Stephen Al Shawari. Oh yeah, yeah. He was he went to Ali Pali to watch the snooker. Yeah, I saw that. It's a big Ronnie. Osa. Was your mum there? She she wasn't. My mum's a big snooker fan. Mm-hmm. Um, she wasn't there. That's She's been to many there before. Probably closer to go to the Crucible. To be honest with you, Sunny Sheffield. She lives in Yorkshire. Okay, she's into Wembley to Stuka before, though, isn't she? She did. She ended up getting a a random ticket. It was like a random draw thing, and she got a ticket to see Jimmy White versus Ronnie O'Sullivan, which was like massive crash. Ronnie Wood was sat in the row ahead of her. It's like my mum sat in there. Is there a point that seems like a sport that's like made for watching on the big screen? Like, uh, can you actually see anything? I've never been to to watch like professional Stuka or pool or anything like that. I have. Um, I went to the Crucible once. I was quite drunk when I walked in, and it was uh, 
there was Anthony Hamilton versus Nigel Bond, and I was busting for a piss. And I could go during the frame, and it lasted like a good 40 minutes. It was hell. Hell on earth. You can't make a sound because the whole game relies on silence. It's not like darts. <laughs> Have you been to darts before? Uh, no, I've oh, not been to like Alexander Palace. I thought you'd been to all the geezer sports before. <laughs> no, I haven't. Oh. No. Um, we'll have to take that one off the bucket list, though. I, I don't really, I don't know if I want to dress up like a Smurf around Christmas to go up to Ali Pally. I don't know if I can be bothered, frankly. People dress up as Smurfs to go to darts? Yeah, do you not see this? Mate, I don't know anything about darts. Oh, if anything, yeah. wrestling should follow the model of what darts do with their promotion. It's incredible. I was going to say, because I know the Ogdens go, I've definitely seen them go on the darts, but that makes sense, doesn't it, with the chanting and stuff? It's kind of the same thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, we always think about how football's had an influence. Well, I think darts are an enormous yeah. influence on, on how crowds react. To be honest, other than Bobby George, who's the real-life Frank Butcher, <laughs> I've got no real interest <laughs> in any darts players, but Bobby, him and Pat Butcher on that programme where they were smoking a load of on ITV with John Fashion. <laughs> yeah. I was alright with that because it was like I was watching Pat <laughs> Frank together once again just with Bobby George in the place of Mike Reed. Yeah, he pulls a proper whitey during that. Him and Biggins, don't they? They're completely like just puking their lungs up. Oh. And it's just like cause they've eaten too much of this bolognese made and I don't know how much he put in, probably like a quarter of an ounce or something like that. And two of them are absolutely like spewing their guts up. How do we get to this? I don't know. Are we going to go into detail on whiteys? What was the last whitey you had, JP? Uh, not for not for a good while. Thank I, thank I, the Lord. I had one in Amsterdam a couple of years ago. I'm uh, yeah. yeah. Out, me, me and my girlfriend after being out for a while, we were we tried <laughs> to go up the stairs to our hostel, and I got halfway up, and she said she looked at me and I looked like I was about to die. Uh, I felt like I was about to die as well. I'm a shit house, mate. It's a silly place. It does silly things to you there. Like, <laughs> it's it's one. We're of gonna the... go one year on the way to Oberhaus, and I feel like we've got to do it. It's two hours on the train, JP. <laughs> Oh, mate, if, if Dutch wrestling started kicking off, I think I'd be, I could be in a world of trouble. A bit of kickboxing. I'd be up for that. There you go, Put yeah. Some MMA. Yeah. My brother is... went to Amsterdam once and he saw Rob Van Dam walking down the street. Um, <laughs> like, genuinely, like, that sounds like something you'd make up. And my brother's not a wrestling fan, other than, like, he knows who RVD is. And, yeah, I think he was over there for Dutch pro wrestling, Mark Kodiak. So, <laughs> wow. company. My brother just shouted down the street, RVD, and he turned around, RVD, and did the finger thing. that's awesome that's like one of the best celebrity encounters i've ever heard of was he scouting the red light district oh he's gotta be yeah yeah go go into the uh probably to be honest though he probably just spent his entire weekend in coffee shops if it's uh rvd yeah that's a dream holiday rvd matt riddle jp (laughs) if i ever have a stag that's my group that's who i'm inviting i I would be staying well away from the red light it's it's just like being inside the mind of a daily sport reader the red light (laughs) district as much as anything (laughs) It's like how GTA would design a place. It's just like a, a cartoon neon hell in it's, there. It's kind the of a good thing, isn't it? I've had, there's no... I've had brilliant times. I'll, I'll, I'll state that on the record. <laughs> but yeah. It's a good thing, isn't it? There's no prominent wrestling. Well, there is wrestling promotions, but nothing that like gets people out there. Because, I, I mean, you see what Oberhausen's like. Imagine a load of load of us turning up there. It'd be a good weekend. Be expensive weekend as well, though. <laughs> mm, that's it. For JP mainly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you miss? Do you miss Matt Riddle? I do miss him. Yeah. yeah when watching Takeover, it's a good segue. When watching Takeover, there was, you know, and partly because the match wasn't as good as I wanted it to be, and I thought 
Matthew, come on. Road to Glory in a couple of weeks. weeks. PCW, oh, that's yeah. a bit more of the, the <laughs> kind of natural surroundings. It'd be awesome. I think that match wasn't as good as it could have been, though, because ah, the, the, you, obviously they've got a goal they want to get to. But I also think they underestimate um, how good it can be based on Hero, because Hero has never been pushed as any sort of legitimate threat in NXT. Mm. So when they put him in a match with Matt Riddle and he's already beaten him in six seconds, the result's inevitable. Like, it's, mm. you know, people aren't that invested in the match. And when a hero's an offense, people aren't buying it. People aren't into it because of what they've done kind of with his character sort of long-term. There's no consistency to what they've done with Hero. They just sort of go, here you go, have this match, get this guy over. He's a gatekeeper, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, but there's never, he's never a threat. Mm. ever so when someone's someone's in there with him as much as you think mm. on paper the match is going to be great mm. he's not promoted and he's not positioned in the same way he was mm. you know when we were seeing here of great matches of everyone so it's just i don't know it's, it just doesn't deliver at that same level unfortunately he's very much a player manager isn't he um mm. yeah, at this point, yeah. It's like, i don't know what would the football equivalent who's like peter reed at man city there you go yeah yeah it's kind of like he's on his way out but he's, you know, he can still offer something, but really, he's there mainly to kind of lead, isn't he? Um, and be the manager on the pitch. That's literally what hero is role, pretty much is in wrestling now. He's the Andy Hessenthaler of NXT at this point, isn't he? <laughs> the odd appearance for Gillingham while managing on the touchline as well, yeah. <laughs> he's got a role, but yeah, I, I, it's not going to be the same, is it, unfortunately? I think Riddle would have been better served maybe if they gave him, like, I don't know, like, a, I know he's off ill, but Lars mm. Sullivan or someone who's mm. been promoted as a threat previously, he's leaving the territory, could he have done a job on his way out? I don't know, but, yeah, I kind of hope we've seen the last of Riddle Hero and Riddle's able to move on to... He should be on the main roster. He should be moving on to the main... He should be... Yeah. What he should be doing is challenging Daniel Bryan for that hemp belt. I know you've got your eye on that, JP. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. That's, that's, a, that's a brilliant idea in possibly one of the, the best subversive heels because I'm kind of convinced that the person who thinks he's the biggest heel is Vince McMahon because he's just mm. everything. He, <laughs> he, he hates in someone. But I, this is, I'm, I'm more invested in that character and we're going to talk about the Rumble match inevitably in a bit. But, um, you know, I'm more invested in it in his promos and in his character in quite some time is that because it feels like you're writing his promos I, at times yeah. i the baby boomer promo <laughs> yeah. that he cut that yeah. sounds like a jp rant it is oh mate we've been on strike at work this week and one day we were on the picket line and jp had the baby boomer rant of his life and it was like i've heard it many times a lot of people there were in it for the first time from uh, jp's alias the great mooter <laughs> which he's been commenting on Oxford Mail articles with, uh, which, which no one else we worked with understood, but I was pissing myself. Um, and <laughs> the great moot was ranting about baby boomers on the Oxford Mail, a la Daniel Bryan the week before. So, yeah, lot in common, eh? Good promo from the heart. <laughs> <laughs> you cut the best promos of anyone ever heard in person, mate. Yeah, I just don't do them on here, do I? Just, <laughs> just, just we leave that to Joe. <laughs> Far too worried of, of the comeback to start ranting about baby boomers again. I don't think we've got any baby boomers listening to this, though, so I wouldn't worry. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> later on, I'll work, I, I can work. I'm thinking of someone who is in that generation. I know I'm differing with you two, but um, we should say, is there anything else, I suppose, on TakeOver? Ah, it was a great show, I thought. I thought the um, Gargano-Ricochet match was 
pretty much a blow-away match. Mm. Um, probably one of the better matches I've ever seen the takeover show. I watched it twice. The first time I was a little bit tired when I watched it. And the second time I was sort of like, Jesus, I wasn't fully kind of engaged in that the first time. It was great. Mm. Um, I really like that tag match opener as well. I think Undisputed Era are a amazing tag team mm. who maybe don't get the plaudits they deserve in our sort of circle if i'm honest and watching that i was thinking to myself bring undisputed era up to the main roster before dean ambrose goes and reigns is back get the shield back together have undisputed era destroy the shield you've got a new top heel faction on the main roster won't happen because look at them um and one of them does like pussy mma stuff which vince McMahon <laughs> probably won't like too much so yeah, yeah. Plus Roman's away. He's at least he's, he's busy doing the Fast and Furious film, so at least he's active. Um, I, I did I expected him to come back at the Rumble. To be honest, I was surprised. Once I saw those those uh, those shots from the Fast and Furious film, I was convinced he was coming back. So yeah, same. Uh, it doesn't seem like a possible match, but maybe there's a road to it. Well, it was it was watching this whole show. It felt like this was NXT. PWG basically. Oh yeah, that's what it is, isn't it? Somebody, somebody had mentioned. I can't claim credit for that. That did go through my head when I was watching it. To be honest, Mm. and and really, they all need to be up on there because the. We're going to talk about the main roster stuff. It needs to be brought into the twenty first century. I hope Johnny Gargano, Ricochet. Um, and some of the other guys never, ever come up to the main roster because I really enjoy watching them in NXT and I, I want to continue to enjoy watching them in NXT. And I really don't want to start watching Raw and SmackDown ever again if I can help it because <laughs> I'm so, there's so much, I don't know, my life feels so much better for not having them in it. Mm. I don't yeah. know if I feel the same. I'm happy with just the YouTube clips, frankly. Yeah, I'm it's like big, big... I think that them and the Instagram clips are kind of my consumption of the view, except on big weekends like this. Like, I stayed up for the Rumble because, of course, I did. It was the Rumble. Uh, but, and I can, I can, most months I'll watch the big pay per views, but yeah, it's uh, Raw and SmackDown is just, it's not for wrestling fans anymore. It's just there to fill hours. It's like, they want to treat it like the Premier League or like any other sport where uh, you don't watch, have to watch every minute of it. I think that's what, that's kind of like the direction WWE's gone in. So it just gives you an excuse to not watch that stuff, apart from when there's big segments and I'll, and I'll hear good, you know, high talk about it, like the like the Ronda stuff this week or uh, the Brian promo on SmackDown uh, and the Becky Lynch stuff. To be honest, the clip that I want to see that I've not watched yet is um, Shane McMahon and the Miz with the Miz's dad. That, <laughs> now that sounds like a sounds like a storyline. <laughs> I was saying that there's like a, during the the actual Rumble itself, there were so many like photo opportunities that we could use as like the show image. Like you could take Miz's dad. You could take Shane McMahon, best in the world, and the Miz holding up their belts. <laughs> you could take Jeffrey Jarrett, uh, making a miraculous oh. another comeback. You could take John, Jim, and Glenn backstage, hiding from uh, some brawl that was going on in the corner, looking like the Three Stooges. Like, do the was just giving us a wealth of material this week. <laughs> it was worth watching just for that, wasn't it? We, we we often accuse it of moment booking, and in some ways, <laughs> you kind of encapsulated the whole yeah. weekend. You just sort of talk Jeff Jarrett. In the full gear as well. I'd love to have seen Joe's reaction live when that happened. Oh, I was pissing myself. As soon as <laughs> my, my girlfriend walked into the room at that point, I was very confused. She heard me laughing quite hysterically. <laughs> she came into the room and was like, what are you laughing at? Saw, uh, what's his name in the ring? That shit guitarist bloke. I can't Elias. Remember, yeah, Elias. Who she hates as much as I do. He's got, uh, he's got, a, he's got a charisma. He's got poise. He's, he's shite in the ring, but he's as, soon, as soon as he wrestles. Can't stand it. 
to me, it's an encapsulation of the shite era of this main roster um, and the type of wrestler that they bring up from NXT and do something with. Um, I can't watch him. Um, but Jeff Jarrett, what I liked as well is he was wearing that gear from the mid-90s, but he was wearing his glasses from like 1999. It was like, oh, he's mixed the two gimmicks together there. But <laughs> yeah, how the fuck has this bloke got on this show as well? That you Think of some of the shows he's managed to get on in the last few years. He was on a Wrestle Kingdom. He was at All In. <laughs> he's now turned up on the, the Royal Rumble. He's he, like, triple Mania. Triple Mania. He's, he's going to be a Mania this year. Yeah. He was at WrestleMediaCon, you know, that counts too. He's, oh, I know I'm, that. Obviously bound for glory as well. If we're still in oh, pick. yeah. It, it, le- it lends a lot, doesn't it, to the theory that there's more than one Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> really does. And they're all... They're all <clears throat> and yet, he's got himself a job. I was really gutted as well. Incredible. Because Kurt Angle came in fourth, and I was like, mm. why could they not keep Jarretted until Angle came in? <laughs> so we could see Kurt and Jeff like rekindle their rivalry at the WWE <laughs> ring. Like... Can we get the return of MMA Jeff Jarrett? Because I'd love that. Oh. They've <laughs> <laughs> got to do that at some point. They can fight I over saw... Karen again. I saw that he, he was on SmackDown as well, but I mm. saw the Road Dog was involved, and to me, that's an immediate turn off. Oh, yeah, that, that was on Raw, yeah. Yeah, that bloke can fuck off. Hello, Road Dog. If you're listening, pal, you blocked me on Twitter when I started. Yeah, me you're, too. You're a twat. Anyway, <laughs> and your booking sucks. Yeah, it's kind of like... But how weird is it, though, that, like, we talk about this a lot, like, the, the way time has moved with wrestling, but they are on. They were on Raw singing a song that came out. How many years ago? 20... 1995. Yeah. Is that 24 years. years ago? Like, there are fans, like, I, I podcast with Ollie on post. Ollie's younger than that. Or like you know, just just fans in general who follow yeah. WWE, like just like <laughs> it's just so straight. It's like it's like in in 1995 them them throwing references to things that happened like in the ni- early 1970s or the late 1960s. It's it's insane. Was Michael Hayes on Raw in like 2010 singing Bad Street USA? No. Oh mate, I, I'm fine with that. I, I love a bit <laughs> of Bad Street USA. Um, but no, he wasn't, was he? Yeah. But th- yeah, this stuff just... Well, they, they, they fetishise their past. Mm. They completely, like, they they live... The well, attitude, attitude era never ended. But that's because Vince McMahon lives in nostalgia land, let's well, be honest, yeah, to yeah. some extent. Like, these new guys, no alphas, man. He needs, like, an alpha male to come along, like a EC3 or a Lars Sullivan. Because he certainly ain't going to, like, ricochet, is he? He's not alpha enough for his he tastes. Likes, he likes big, blo- big muscly blokes, preferably with long hair, mm. at the end of the day. That's kind oh. of what he pushes for. Who are alpha? Football. Baron Corbin. Hey. Yeah, there you go. Prime example. Even Becky, she's the man. Charlotte Flair, she's Ric Flair. He's, he's, he's going to shoehorn Charlotte into that WrestleMania event no matter what he can do. Yeah. Because of the like the Flair relationship. He's got his favourites, obviously, hasn't he still? I worry about that because mm. as much as, obviously, they'll, Charlotte Flair will be a big part once Ronda's gone in, in April, it needs to be just Becky and Ronda. It won't be. No, I think it'll be a better match as a triple threat. I don't really? think Becky Lynch is that great in the ring. I, I like the character. Mm. In in the ring, Charlotte's Charlotte will hold that match together. Yeah, Charlotte's had some of the best matches in WWE these last mm. few years. Yeah, I think she's the best female wrestler in WWE. 
And I honestly think she'll hold the match together. I, I, I don't think Becky and Ronda, they'll work on the match, but I think it feel, it'll feel like a higher stakes match as a three-way because well, Charlotte's got such presence as a talent as well. Yeah. And then you've got those three and you've got that interlinked feud as well. And it's the best thing they've had going for some time, easily. Yeah. It's the most I've been interested it's, in the main roster storyline. And Becky's got the character down pat. Yeah. But I think Charlotte will anchor the match and give it that presence that... Not to say it won't be there, but I think it will seem like a much bigger deal as well. She's There's something about Charlotte that I think none of the other uh, females in WWE kind of have. Mm. I don't know what it is, but yeah, she's my favourite female wrestler, I think, easily. I don't know. I'm not as not as high on her as, as you guys for it. I mean, particularly for me, I mean, I kind of think main event at Mania, I, I'm not a fan of multi-person involved. No. I, I kind of like the one-on-one dynamic mm. and the buzz about this has not been really for me involving Charlotte necessarily. It's been based on Becky and Ronda. That's the thing to build to. Do you want to go more than 10 minutes? I mean, Ronda, let's be frank about it, has completely lived up to her end of the bargain. She hasn't hasn't had a bad match yet. I don't think there's a bad Ronda Rousey match. I think that'll be good too. Um, Do you know what it reminds me of though? It reminds me of that year when we were getting Roxena 2 and there was Mm. all that talk about shoehorning Punk into it. And like at that time, I was obviously I've always been high on punk, but I thought that was a good idea because I kind of thought Roxena had been done, and I wasn't really, and the build for the second match wasn't really that good. It's kind of remembered because of how well it drew. There's like this big deal, but I, I didn't love that second match. I would have put punk in there. I didn't like either of them. I thought they both sucked. I didn't mind the first one. I thought I, it was solid. I, I hated it, and I've rewatched it, and I still thought it was bad because I was in a. I was in an absolutely terrible, terrible mood that night because 12 seconds into the show, something yeah. basically launched someone's career occurred. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't, I, oh, I was dead at that point. So I thought I'd, I'd rewatched the Rock Cena match a couple of years ago and I was like, that just wasn't very good. Rock like, was rusty. I mean, he was better in the punk match, I thought. Uh, oh, easily. Yeah, yeah. Easily. Punk the match first punk match. He was really blowing up in that first match, wasn't he? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, punk was like, he came out and said pretty much he was trying to blow him up, wasn't he? A very, very Davy Richards tactic that I know he used to do that to Kevin Steen as well. That's a bit oh. twatish, isn't it? It is, <laughs> it is yeah. It's a bit unprofessional, isn't it? Um, but yeah, on the Ronda thing, though, I, I, I sorry, the, the Charlotte thing, I get the argument for putting her in. I think it probably will make for a bigger match. Um, but really, yeah, to be contrary to, to what I was saying about the punk match, I don't know. I just kind of, like JP said, I think the, the big, it feels cleaner as a one-on-one match. It feels bigger. But I do get the thought process because I kind of think, well, it's worth it. If Ronda's leaving as well, you don't want to just make Becky. You want to, you know, solidify Charlotte as well with a WrestleMania main event. So I do kind of get it. You only get one shot at it, uh, as, you know, as far as doing the first one. Yeah, and, it, and it, I think as well what it does is it, it having having that as the main event at least, and I think we're all agreed that the women's match should be the main event oh, regardless. Well, regardless the, it, which for me makes for a much more interesting Brock Rollins match in that yeah. case. That doesn't have to be the sort of long drawn out main events when he's put into that pitch. Like the match he had with Goldberg, Mm. five minutes of just like, that was great. I think that's because they needed to figure out a way to let Goldberg have a good match. And if Goldberg's going to have a five minutes, is it going to be good? Probably not. Um, Mm. (laughs) So, you know, that seemed like it was an over overly rehearsed match that was laid out really effectively to both guys' strengths. I think the Rollins match, you'll see it go a lot longer than, say, that Goldberg match. Oh, yeah, I don't yeah. know if it'll feel like the same rehearsed piece that the Goldberg match was. Rollins, It'd be like the Bala match. Yeah, Rollins is a guy who my interest in is 
I just, it's just not there. I oh, loved so him a few years ago, but I didn't. You know, I didn't even like him on. I was never a fan of him in Ring of Honor, and I, 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 I can tell he's a good wrestler, having good matches, but I could not be less interested in him. As a heel, I thought he was a terrible heel, and as a babyface, I just, I, I can't get behind him as a babyface either. I was a big fan of the Shield and that run. I mean, I liked his first run with the belt as well, but. Mm. Yeah, at this point, my interest in uh, my interest in Finn Balor is non-existent. I think he's boring. I didn't even, I, you know, I really didn't enjoy the match of Brock. It was just, oh, I, it, that. I thought it was great. I, I thought it was good, but the Brian sprint, the AJ sprint, I thought were much better matches. I think uh, Balor's lacking a charisma for me to get invested in him, and I'm watching it the old time, thinking, I don't know, I, there's just something about him that. I'm bored of, if anything, is smile. Do a smile for the fans. Smile at the crowd. Smile at the hard camera. What a lovely <laughs> smile. Oh, what have you got as a character? Oh, a smile. Oh, there we go then. I just didn't do anything for me. I, it was fine. Like It wasn't bad. I can acknowledge it was good. Mm. I was far more into that Brian match at Survivor Series, though, because Brian is a different level wrestler to Finn Balor, and I thought the balance in the match worked a lot more effectively. And also... He didn't have to put an exclamation mark and then kill him at the end of it either. Yeah, that that was terrible. I hated yeah. that. I, am. I mean, I would say like maybe you'll agree, JP. I, I definitely preferred the Brian and AJ matches, but I wouldn't say I, I much preferred them. I still really like this. Uh, but it was still, it was it was definitely. I get what you're saying because it was the kind of the peak of my Finn Balor interest. He, he's similar to Seth. Really, he's one of them people who. It's a bit like, you know, the, the early 2000s where everyone on the internet thought they should push the cruisers harder. That's kind of been, like, Finn Balor and Seth Rollins are those kind of wrestlers are, are kind of this generation's that. Oh, Finn Balor should be in main events. Oh, he shouldn't be getting... I, I mean, I did hate the angle after the match, but, you know, he shouldn't be getting beat by Brock. He should be in WrestleMania main events. I just don't see it. I think people just see a small guy in good shape who can work a decent amount and think main eventer, and he's not that for me. Well, no, I, I mean... I enjoyed this. This is probably the. I'm trying to think of a time I enjoyed a match of his on the main roster more than this one. It was better than the Devlin match, and I'm shocked I'm saying that. It's, yeah. Um, and the thing about it is, though, there's a couple of, of aspects of it I'm not particularly keen on. And I think it was a case of with the AJ and the, and the Brian matches, you did also have that sort of similar dynamic going into this one. And I think that's kind of what can hurt it in, mm. in some eyes there. I also think with Balor. That the the Balor I really like was Bullet Club Balor, and I haven't yeah, gone any absolutely. Bullet Club Debit, I should say, and I haven't gone anywhere near that. Mm. And they can do that, and it would make him more interesting if they wanted to go because it would just position him really more as a cool a cool face rather than something's being overtly overtly heelish. But they don't they don't really go that. I'm hoping they drop the whole demon shite. Can't stand it. When was the last time they did it? Yeah, I mean, it's been a been a. Is, it been, is that been a longer show? As much I watch it, yeah. um, so I'm kind of glad about glad about that. But I think the thing I mentioned about the Seth Rollins uh, going back into Seth Rollins is, is it going to be the same format if it's a long drawn out match where it's going to be sort of somewhat extended beat downs? Then with you know sort of David and Goliath part four in this case coming up. So I'm sure it'll be a big match. It's a massive mm-hmm. occasion for Rollins as well. You know, he's got it. I've yeah. just not been interested in him in a long, long time. But then, you know, Dean Ambrose announced he's leaving this week. I've not been interested in Dean Ambrose since the Shield split up the first time mm. round. So 
you know, it's just one of those things where there's so few people on the main roster in the last few years that can actually engage me. If there's one man that can engage me, shame, shame of Matt. <laughs> I'll say that. I knew where that was going. I could feel it. <laughs> He's the male wrestler in WWE that I think I'm probably most into at the moment. Um, me and JP had an argument about this on Twitter. Um, I was on the night. Wrong. Saying that he's the he's the best in the world, which he is because he won the trophy. Um, yeah, exactly. Best uh, bad. Re- somebody tweeted. I, can't, I wish I could say who it was, but somebody tweeted he's the best bad wrestler of all time, and that sums him up for me. He's like the most entertaining person in, who's ever got on a ring who who clearly shouldn't be in a ring, but every time he's out, well, most times he's out there. Maybe not that Hell in a Cell match from Mania. Most time he's out there. It's, it's always incredibly entertaining. You're wrong, JP. Like he manages to employ so many, <laughs> such a variation of styles in one match. He's a great hybrid wrestler. Yes. You think he's got some like UWFI shoot style wrestling oh. there with his goga platters and his triangle chokes. But then he throws some FMW style garbage wrestling occasionally. Bit of Rob Van Dam. Yeah, followed by some like mid nineties junior New Japan style wrestling when he's doing all these shooting star presses and <laughs> coast to coast. So that the man is yeah. diverse to say the least. Greatest punches in wrestling, if you ask me. You know you're getting stiffed, and you know someone's getting knocked out. I, when he gets to the ring on them hot tags, you know what? His hot tag sequence was my favourite <laughs> moment of the whole show. That hot tag was God. incredible. That from the punches <laughs> when he was down in Cesaro to the giant swing, which he just completely no sold yeah. and then <laughs> puts a triangle to the shooting star press, just double coast to coast. Ah, oh, that that was exciting stuff. Him and Miz at Mania oh. is a match I can't wait for. I'm more up for that, but I am Brock Rollins. See, JP oh. wants to argue, but JP, I will ask you this. Qu- okay, Joe uh-huh. said he's got the best punches. I'd probably still go with Jeff Jarrett over him, but he's up there. If you were going to put <laughs> Who does a better shooting star press, JP? Best in the world, Shane McMahon or Brock Lesnar? Well, that's it. He does it's have a better shooting star press. Therefore, best um, in the world. Done. Oh, no, hang on. I saw, I did see Brock's when he was in the, was it the Minnesota Wrecking Crew? True, when he could get... Dark matches. That was one of those, like, early gifts that got shared on, like, Kazar and, like, old file sharing networks. I remember downloading that one. Him on OVW and then, then we were, you know, we were all aware of his presence and him being talked up. Um, I mean, you're now selling me in the idea of I would like to have seen Inoki book Shane McMahon just to see if he'd been there with Mirko Crocrop. He is the modern day Inoki to some extent, isn't he? Now you say that, there is an element of it there, like just the sheer arrogance of him, like looking so strong and so good all the time as well, and while still doing the dance and the shuffle. Ah, ah, ah what a dance! Those those Air Jordans as well. He was wearing the Miz wearing that. Shane McMahon-esque baseball jersey to the ring as well. It's just mm. great presentation. Miz's dad at the end, hilarious bloke. Uh, you know what better than McMahon this? is a beetroot. Yeah, um, he just yeah he does look like a blown up beetroot at the end of every single one of his matches, doesn't he? Which is just just oh. <laughs> and he's doing it all at like what is he almost fifty at this point? Almost like, yeah. Because when he I... started, he was in his thirties, wasn't he? Like or at least like he's around. Well, he was a... First match was late 98, so, yeah, yeah, almost 30. Bloody hell. That's crazy, isn't it? Uh, Yeah. I I love him. Sorry, JP. It's the shuffle as well. Like, whenever I used to play No Mercy, (laughs) I'd just just have my finger on the the trigger button just to be going around doing that that constantly uh, on the joystick button. What a man. Just amazing. Are we not soldiers at all, JP? 
No. I think no, you were just no. tired. It's, it's, no, I'm not. I, I, yeah, I might have been just, I, I found myself, because I was sitting up, and I'm thinking, I've got to be up for work in, in a, <laughs> basically about five hours. And when he started throwing those punches, and I thought, they're going to win. Obviously, they're going <laughs> to win here. They've mentioned Mrs. Dad, and Mrs. Dad is only now proud of him, and it's like your son fucking main event in WrestleMania. Yeah, but like, it was a shit main event, and now he's hanging out of a top bloke like Shane. Mrs. It's, Dad probably gets to share a beer with Shane at the end of a night. It's it's wonderful trolling. It really is. It's trolling of the highest, highest quality because it, it, it got to me. But I can't. <laughs> I can't. And it, him and Miz, I'm just like, what the hell are they going to put out there? Because Miz is not AJ Styles. Mate, he's the cool, he's the cool McMahon. He's not giving money to the fucking there Trump is no Foundation. Cool. There yeah. is no his, cool. his missus was doing like an anti-Saudi Arabia documentary, wasn't she? Like, <laughs> yeah. While we were out there. Yeah, about the murder of Marie Colvin. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, see, great hey. man in all facets. You see, I don't, I don't reckon they're into the Trump stuff. I reckon Shane's always been a contrarian. I reckon mm. Shane's going to go vegan soon. You just watch this space. <laughs> Veganism's cool. Jim Smallman, he's trying to stay down with the kids still, isn't he, and act a bit cool and find anything that's cool to latch onto and stay young. He's gone vegan. Shane will be the next one to go vegan. You watch. Watch this space. Shane will be talking about, uh, I reckon Shane smokes to reefer. <laughs> Def, him and Matt Riddle. <laughs> Smoking a couple of blunts backstage at WrestleMania. JP's mind to change quickly. Working on his Google Plata doing MMA training with Matt Riddle. Oh, while you are, while you're just sat there in the corner waiting for Riddle to come give you some attention. <laughs> I got dark at the end. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> oh, you mentioned uh, Smallman then, so we should probably. Yeah, that was the. I mentioned before, that was the other thing. Did you spot them, Joe? Like, uh, it was a bit. Well, no. Uh, where they showed them backstage during the big brawl. Uh, they got themselves on a Rumble show. I don't think they could have been happier. Um, I was liberally running through parts of the show, I'll oh. say that, but I was sent several screenshots by people. Um, so I, I've, see, I've seen them, yeah. Monday Three Stooges, or are they, are they, the, new, are they the new Pat Patterson and uh, Gerald Briscoe, or...? Uh, in their fucking dreams. Like, I'm sure that's the role that Glenn Joseph would, you know, love to have. You know, going out there as a drag queen to face Gerald Briscoe in a hardcore match or whatever. Sounds or, good. I want to do it. But, you, <laughs> imagine Glenn Joseph, a freeway between the three of them dressed as drag queens for the revived <laughs> hardcore title. <laughs> and 24-7 rule, Shane McMahon turns up and steals the belt at the end. That's what I want to see. <laughs> oh, God. We got wildly uh, off. What? What? Uh, oh, that was the other thing I wanted to mention. Like you mentioned before, Joe um, Ambrose leaving WWE. Uh, any any thoughts on that stuff? Him leaving uh, now, renamed Kenta leaving. Taylor Tama, you had a fucking awful run in WWE. Oh, uh, it's it, it's promising though, isn't it? He's eating like... well, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he doesn't look in the best of shape, does he? Uh, that was like putting him out of his misery and leaving WWE. But it's—I don't think he's an, an all elite thing. I think I think Ambrose seems obviously poised to go there, unless he just does want to go out and have some middling indie run doing death matches with Jimmy Havoc, uh, which I've seen Havoc trying to push for on Twitter. Uh, yeah, I think there's—it it, it is, but it's promising, isn't it? That there's like movement and there's actually you know the. The, the chance for contract wars and, and all kinds uh, going into 2019 that we haven't seen in about 20 years. Well, it appears to be that April might be, well be the cutoff date, which kind of makes sense given that their year begins and ends with WrestleMania. Hmm. Um, it, it's it's going to be interesting how many other people are kind of wanting to get their releases. I mean, in terms of 
Kenta, I, I imagine with this Noah relaunch, he's going to be heading yeah. pretty much over to the, over to there. The fact that they granted him his release as well says to me, he said, no, I just want to go back home. I need to go to Noah. This run's been fucking awful. Uh, please yeah. let me go. Exactly. A bit weird they wouldn't like release Mike and Maria Canellis. Mm. That seems like... Oh, but what a threat they'll be in AEW. <laughs> But it shows yeah. it shows the mentality. It's like they don't want to let anyone go, and they and they've got far too many. They've got too many than they know what to do with at all, and they're having to create brands left, left, right, and center. And they still have too many of them. And just, mm. th- this stockpiling, it, it seems to me, the wrestlers have gotten wind that it's not good for them long term. Yeah. I think it shows that the wrestlers, I mean, at least Ambrose, it seems like is taking it seriously. There's like been quiet talk about even Brock. Like, Brock's someone. He's mm. going to go to the highest bidder. He doesn't give a fuck. If AEW are offering more money than WWE, and if they've got that kind of money, I could even see, like, a Brock going out the door. But, like, uh, I, might, I might not have said that this time last month, but with, uh, again, you know, Ambrose being a... He's almost a top-level guy in WWE, isn't he? He's, like, the, the one notch below. It does... It, it gives more, I don't know, more credibility to the fact that, yeah, there's actual... It's not just going to be like TNA where, you know... Lower mid carders might turn up, or people WWE release might turn up. We might get people actively asking out of the contracts more and and turning down WWE to to go to this actual real option if that's what AEW turns out to be. Sounds like it'll be more like a Bellator to UFC mm. at first, if anything, in terms of who they can attract, the money involved, the type of crowds they can attract as well. Hopefully, they'll get a TV deal in the same way Bellator's got one as well. Yeah, I don't think we're going to be seeing the depressing TNA crowds, are we? And the Impact Zone and all the rest of it, thank God. But yeah, Lesnar would be a massive coup, wouldn't he? Um, mm. They can play, pay him Alexander Mitrovic money, which, you know, <laughs> Tony Khan's doing. I'm sure that <laughs> <laughs> Lesnar might be interested. And I, yeah, if he, he can get Heyman in as well, imagine that. Yeah. Jesus, that's exciting. Yeah, exactly. It seems to be, I mean, they've got their, what, next kind of um, event going on with the contracts, uh, with their sort of roster reveals on the 7th of February, because there's been a lot of stuff about B Priestley mm. as well. And we said, this bidding is where... Bidding war for B Priestley. Yeah, <laughs> we've got a bidding war for, for B Priestley and a bidding war for Matt Seidel as well. Mm. Even New Japan. Sounds like a really bad transfer deadline day, that does, doesn't it? Well, it does, doesn't it? It's, it is. It's like it is like transfer deadline day, especially the January one, because it's usually like this, isn't it? Because you're expecting all these big moves, yeah. and then it's like, yeah, Peter Crouch going to Burnley. It is. There's a lot of Dennis Suarez's around the place. <laughs> a lot of them. Yeah, I think uh, looking good though. I'm excited. Tony Khan, what a bloke. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm very, very excited. Unless you know he was involved in the finish of that Pack Zack Sabre Junior match, but you know, we can let him off. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say to you guys, what do you make of the actual Rumble matches themselves? We've not really discussed those, have we? Um, I thought the, briefly. I thought the women's one was fine. I thought the men's one was outright boring. Uh, two on a show doesn't work for me, but I get why they're doing it. I honestly think they should expand. Um, the weekend and they should yeah. take the NXT show off the weekend and they should do another, they should do an all women's pay-per-view on the Saturday and then do a men's pay-per-view on the Sunday. 
and they should headline the Saturday show of the Women's Rumble, the Sunday show of the Men's Rumble, and move the NXT show, because you think you had the TakeOver UK show a couple of weeks ago, mm. they should do the NXT show on the same weekend they do either Elimination Chamber, or they should do a crossover NXT UK with uh, regular NXT show in the UK mm. once a year, possibly, um, and just make it exclusively a Rumble weekend. It'll just solve, solve time in some way. It'll give the women more prominence as well, I think. And after the success of Evolution, for me, I don't see why you wouldn't consider doing that going forward. Because two rumbles on one show. Mm. God, this show was so bloody long. Seven, near seven hours. Was it six and a half? I think the, the main show was five. I didn't see any of the pre-show. Did you? Yeah. I, I, I skipped through bits of it, but I, I stayed the full length of the show. Like I was in work the next day as well. And it was like at least gone five, and it was still on. And that's just—I mean, I think the men's rumble kind of went to the ring about fifteen minutes before then. About 15, what time? What time did the men's rumble go on? It was definitely after four. I remember just oh my go. It's like God. quarter five, something like that. It was just like I saw Americans. We've had we've had this conversation before, but I saw <laughs> Americans complain. Ah, oh, we're going past midnight here. It's like no, we're going past five in the morning here, and I've got work in about four hours. Uh, yeah, fucking. That's just WWE. Now every, everything has to be massive. Saying that, New Japan do it with Wrestle Kingdom as well. Ah, uh, Wrestle Kingdoms, Wrestle Kingdom, and they pace their shows good. well. WWE don't pace their shows well. They pace them really badly. The thing is with this show as well is everything was so drawn out. Like they had to really have the moment feel big and slow, and they couldn't get to anything fast. For me, the prime example was the end of the women's royal rumble where becky lynch turns up and you're thinking ah yes and that she had that great moment with finley where it very much felt mm. like it was like i don't with, know with finley and paisley and martin mcginnis and jerry adams having their talks jerry over the adams. good friday agreement in 1998 <laughs> and Jesus. you know it was like yeah go on you do it do it for you know, Ireland. I think they probably thought, ah, oh, it's an Irishman showing some bias, not realising that it's, yeah, you know, north and south there. But, yeah, I was thinking, a Good Friday Agreement came into my head when it, when it was going on there, which I mentioned <laughs> to my girlfriend as well. She quite enjoyed that. But then Becky gets to the ring, and you've got, like, eight other women in there still. Like, throw her in right at the end, have an intense hot ending. Instead, she's in there for another 10, 15 minutes, and you've got this boring, slow wrestling, this boring, slow end. Nia Jax having a period of domination. And then you've got the whole injury and her getting back in the ring, which you've got to draw out. And then she wins it. The bump at the end, Charlotte, it was pretty yeah. poor, actually, when she had to slide off the end. Yeah, you want then a big when she wins it, she's got a point at her bloody screen for 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. like, still called Steve Austin doing that. Oh, <laughs> man. Can you just get on with it? Like, everything is so fucking long this is where the network as many pros as it's got this is where it's you know the biggest con of it all is the unlimited time they've got and now they take full advantage of that they need to start just timing these shows out so much better because this drawn out moment stuff is just just so annoying Uh, yeah i don't know how you guys felt about that but i was getting quite angry 
Mate, I've only just recovered and got back into a normal sleep packing like th- this week. I'm still tired. Like it completely threw me off. And yeah, that's just it's what they do now. Though they it's, they almost think like, oh, we got to make it special, so it's got to go a million hours. I don't think we'll ever get like like Wrestle Kingdom this next year looks like it's going to be over two nights. That's something I'd <laughs> always whenever I book like an EWR game, I'd always book WrestleMania to be over two nights, like a Raw night and a SmackDown night, or you know, have have some big matches on the first day, big matches on the second day. WrestleMania is going to be the one this year. If that go, I could imagine WrestleMania to be even longer than the Rumble. Um, that that's an argument for me to to do two nights. Maybe not splitting it women's and men's. Uh, they couldn't do the intergender stuff then, could they? You couldn't have the the great moment in Nia Jax being oh. in a men's Rumble. Uh, but I, I do think there's an argument maybe to to split these things up into to two shows, and you can headline with uh, each Rumble uh, or on WrestleMania weekend headline with you know each big title match. Uh, rather than yeah it's what's weird isn't it it's like we're, we're getting we're almost getting more value for money like i've seen people make that argument but imagine anything was seven hours long imagine like premier league games went seven hours imagine yeah. you went to see like a an oscar winning film and it went seven hours like it doesn't matter how good it is seven hours of anything is too much i was gonna say yeah that there's a whole pacing issue for it as well i mean i i stopped watching it at the start of the women's rumble match because I, th- I thought like it's far too late and this is a good natural cut off point nick lemprier won the uh the teacher battle he did yeah oh he won that he stayed up all night watched all of the rumble. he's a madman i wouldn't do that for anything i'd even do it for new japan like <laughs> don't fuck up your sleeping plan for this shite it's not worth it i watched it when i got in the next day i started at half mm-hmm. six and it finished around midnight yeah, that, and that was too bloody long. <laughs> they need no, one point five speed on the network with this. Like, they get them taken over by a different company, aren't they? On the network, it's going to be an entirely new interface. That's one request for me. If I could watch it on one, maybe one point two five speed, like I'll listen to some podcasts. That'd be perfect. I could get through it a bit better then. There was, um, I think, the overall sense when watching this show, and particularly watching the men's rumble, was looking at there was loads of really good talent in there, and realizing how pr- the vast majority of them. Are completely underutilized mm. so you'd have wrestlers going in there and nxt talent i thought alistair black kind of looked looked good for the time he was in there and also pete dunn but then you know obviously you've got like a fucking chance of like randy orton comes in and for me just completely kills it 15 years of randy orton mate same <laughs> same character as he's always been i was gonna say one same of the fresh so i was doing the the ratings for it on the grapple app and then this thing popped up, and this, you know, where there's there's something that it's on. It's these little gamification things that go on with the app as well. And these Randy, there's an app about rating Randy Orton matches. So I went through and I did the off pay per view matches that I could kind of remember. I wasn't I wasn't going really much above two a lot of the time. I was like, oh, that was shy. I think I fell asleep during that. Some of it, like the best stuff that was on there, was just like multi-person. His best, his best match is his match with uh, Cactus Jack in 2004. Yeah, and that that was a yeah. great feud. I think the only times I've ever been interested in him was that, and when he broke his arm and he cut some decent promos before he joined um, Evolution. I was I liked the whole uh, <laughs> loathe him. I liked the build to the match with Triple H at WrestleMania 25, especially when Triple H showed up at his house of a sledgehammer. That was fucking hilarious. Um, <laughs> but the match is one of the worst matches I've ever. I was there. The match is one of the worst matches I've ever seen live to this day. It was just, and I've seen plenty of progress women's matches at this point, and that's still yeah. worse of them. So that's saying something. Um, if yeah. I've ever gone higher than three and a half stars on an Orton match, I'd be shocked. I can't think. Oh, of oh anything. One, 
Maybe the Benoit match when he first won the title. There's yeah, a good match with Shawn Michaels where Shawn Michaels can't use the sweet chin music. That was a true. really, really good match. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm str- uh, the, the, the We are talking over good. basically a 15-year period and there's probably five. He's a worker's worker. You do realise that my Matthew Edwards is going to be sending us a list now of his top 10 Randy Orton matches. All of them are wrong and I will be watching none of them. <laughs> I, I much prefer Randy Orton to the big show, Kane, Alberto oh. Del Rio and some of the other dullards. When he, when, he, when he got thrown out, there was actually a big cheer. <laughs> so I thought, I thought, good on you. Like, whoever's, whoever's there, hopefully that's he's, the paper crowd. That well, they just he's all he's got hit in. some good RKOs. RKOs. He was, he's good as a meme. Um, but he's, yeah. Yeah, in ring, he's no shame, but man. And then seeing Rollins go... Exactly. Oh, God. Do you remember the Randy Orton shame of Matthew? Do you remember their feud in 2009 before WrestleMania? They had a match at the Elimination Chamber in 2009. Legacy beating down on Shane McMahon. John Briley would have loved that. His favourite faction, Legacy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was a big fan of that feud as well, actually. Shane just tearing it up. No. Yeah, getting some proper lumps in on Orton. There's just stuff on, on Orton. I've just got zero interest in him from pretty much from the beginning. And there never will be any interest. Um, <laughs> Even if you went to AEW, I'd be like, oh, no. Just like, don't go in for him on that. <clears throat> the other thing I didn't like about the men's Rumble match, Rollins having a kip for 10 minutes. They need to cut that shit out. Either they're in there for the end of time, but yeah. like, it was a good 10 or 15 minutes he seemed out. Yeah, even the commentators didn't know he was still out there, which is more, that says more about the back. Yeah, oh, they that- sat next yeah. to him for Christ's sake. Yeah. <laughs> That's got me going. One thing I need to mention, the commentary. <laughs> oh, the Should they really need to resurrect the, course, the corpse of Jerry Lawler um, and bring back JBL? I don't think they did. Right. I didn't. I couldn't remember that bloke's name who was doing the commentary in some of the, I think, SmackDown matches. I was like, who is this guy? That Vic Joseph. No, the other one. The one Tom is, Phillips. I, I, I just forget these people. They are just robotic. They're just yeah. the same person. Cloned. Over and over again. Yeah. Ah, Renee Young as well. I liked as a backstage interview. I feel sorry for her. Like she's being fed lines by Vince McMahon. Like Daniel Bryan and his extreme political views. Like if Daniel Bryan's views are extreme, I don't know what Vince McMahon's fucking are. Seriously. <laughs> like you just know that that's being fed to her by this bloke who's lived in this right-wing echo chamber for his entire life. And I, I'm just thinking, you're a fucking cunt, mate. You really are. Extreme. Well, oh, because he thinks in a green manner about some things and he doesn't deny climate change. I've got no evidence of Vince McMahon's views on climate change. But considering what his pal Trump did with the old Paris Agreement and all the rest of it, I'm sure we know of Vince McMahon's views on climate change probably stand. So... Ah, the bloke's an absolute nutter. And I feel sorry for someone like Renault, who seems like a rational liberal Canadian, because they're all liberals in Canada. Good country, Canada. Uh, and she's having to throw these ridiculous lines out and kill her credibility. Fuck Vince. And also, fuck the positioning and Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles being put a 25-minute match on this show after a Royal Rumble. Why was this match on this show? So don't have Eric Rowan come out oh, at the end. just... And that I'm surprised we haven't mentioned this before. And that's to me is refresh the roster. He's gone from being a swamp bloke to one of those <laughs> destructive guys last year mm. to now suddenly dressing like he's going for a midlife crisis. He's now looking like he's some skater boy from the year 2000. He's like fat Vans or Etney's shoes and his open shirt with his big fucking Slayer beard. Like, 
what is he doing there? Like, give him someone from NXT, you know. Like, have Riddle come in and be Daniel Bryan's protege. They can roll a few joints backstage and they're in California and smoke them together and wear their toms and talk about natural resources and all the rest of it. That'd be great. Eric Rowan. Hey, Rowan's fit again. Get him back on there. No. <laughs> Just no. Refresh the fucking roster, please. Release some people. Oh, I don't think I can top that. <laughs> I don't think we can. Oh, there's a. Yeah. So there you go, everyone. There's our WWE thoughts wrapped up. That's perfect. Oh. Should we move on? I don't know where that yeah. came from. Sorry. No, I was absolutely breathing. Encapsulate a lot of stuff that I was going to come out with. Oh, so that's, car- no, sorry. Carry on. No, no, no. I. I there's no way I can follow that, so I'm not even going to attempt to. Oh, do you know what else was weird? And I don't know if this is an edit point, so I don't know if this will make the show. Hornswoggle in the Rumble. What talk about tone deaf? Like, is Vince McMahon aware of the Me Too movement? Some bloke from yes. under the ring stalking a woman, following oh. her around and creeping on her. And <laughs> cricket. Didn't I saw, really get any response. I did see a good joke about that though. The the, the, the last time Selena Vega was uh, was chased by a midget like that, it was Austin Aries with his promise ring. <laughs> <laughs> that was bad though. Yeah, that was awful. It's like Harvey Weinstein was stalking her under the ring or something. It felt like <laughs> to me, but yeah. Oh Christ! Well, um, Vince and Harvey Weinstein, I could see them getting on, couldn't you? <laughs> Two proper men, alpha. It's big cigars. Very different political. I mean, he was a big yeah, I know, Democratic I know. contributor, wasn't he? Well, Wilson. Hillary Clinton and him were top pals, weren't they? Yeah. Who's wrestling's R. Kelly? You were mentioning before we recorded, Joe. You watched the uh, the R. Kelly documentary. Do we have an equivalent to that? Buck Zumhoff. <laughs> yes. I don't. We shouldn't go into detail, but yes. <laughs> um, He's a fucking disgrace that that bloke, isn't he? He's a bad man. I'm looking forward to watching that. I spent a lot of time watching the fire uh, documentary, the festival documentary. I'm oh, yeah. R. Kelly is like next on my list as far as big docs, as well as the Wu-Tang one that's coming up, which I'm really excited for. Oh, we got the Kenny Omega one as well. That oh, looks quite true. good. The Canadian train. HBO. Yeah, exciting. Uh, anyway, uh, do, do you want to talk the um, the Voices of Wrestling poll? Um, I don't mind. Up to you, mate. Should we do yeah. the Voice of Wrestling and take a break? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Then let's let's talk the. Uh, I wanted to bring this up uh, just to to move into kind of uh, Voices of Wrestling. Do their if anyone's not familiar with it, they do their Match of the Year poll where they uh, ask uh, people who write in wrestling, who do podcasts, really anyone with something to plug. Uh, can send in a ballot of their top 10 matches of the year. I, I've done one the last three years, I think. Uh, maybe the last two years. Uh, you, you guys have done it in the past, haven't you? But you didn't do it this year. Mm. Yeah. yeah. They, they kind of... The list's always interesting because it's usually dominated by New Japan, uh, which is right because you know it's the it's a list of the best matches of the year, and they they go through and everyone everyone uh, gives their top ten, uh, and then they, everything that gets nominated gets assigned points, and then they come out with the full list of the the best matches of the year. I think there was something like two hundred and eighty matches uh, that made the cut for this last year, but I thought it was interesting, kind of the. The breakdown of uh, actual European matches that made it onto the list. I mean, 
bearing in mind that this isn't a fan poll, you know, uh, it's not like, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, you might get with Grapple, where uh, so if Progress fans are, are very, very vocal, so I can, you can imagine them to all be jumping on there, giving every match five stars uh, from Progress. Uh, this is, again, it's, it's supposed to be, you know, writers, journalists, podcasters. As far as European wrestling goes, who do you, who would you guess had the most uh, matches in the top? Uh, 280 or the really of all the matches that got nominated here who would you say are most likely of of the european promotions Mm, so uk ireland i'll include nxt uk in there as well oh ott progress wxw yeah pretty much that's the top three progress were the first with eight WXW was second with seven, and OTT were third with five. OTT had the highest listed match, which was um, where Jordan Devlin and Walter. Uh, I think that was that was eighth, and Jordan Devlin. And, oh, wow. Sorry, uh, Will Ospreay and Walter was eleventh, which surprised me. There, but they were by far the highest points as far as British promotion goes. But yeah, I thought it was notable. Like even you guys are mentioning it there. I mean, we talk about Rev Pro very much as like a work rate promotion. But they were trailing behind there. They only had, I guess, how many matches do you think from RevPro made it into this list of 280? I'd say the Suzuki Ishii match from Brixton would have made it. Um, what else? Um, maybe the tag match from the first night of a New Japan RevPro Milton Keynes uh, night. And maybe the Suzuki Ishii match from that show as well, possibly. I can't think of anything else at the top of my I'm head. I'm trying to think and of. They're all New Japan matches mm. in RevPro. Yeah. Aussie oh. Open versus uh, Aussie Open and um, oh versus Suzuki and Suzuki Zach. and Suzuki yeah. and Zach. Maybe Trent and Tyler against Zach and Suzuki. Although that was January last year, that was a very good tag match. I, I, that yeah. Was, yeah, that was a great. I, match. I think I want to say about four. None of the above. Three wow. matches. Two hundred and forty seventh Aussie Open uh, versus CCK from high stakes. That would be okay. Uh, 224th Zack Sabre Jr. versus Okada from the, uh, the the Manchester leg of the strong style of, of, of old tour. And the highest rating Rev Pro match, bearing in mind what we just said about OTT being 8th and uh, 12th, 177th Minoru Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. versus Aussie Open. Wow. So two Aussie wow. Open matches in there. But yeah, I was looking at it, I was thinking, to be honest, when I did my list, Nothing from Rev Pro came to mind as something that I, that I would pick for the top ten uh, matches from Progress came up. You know, there's plenty of them in this list. I think the highest Progress match was Walter and Tim Thatcher, which was twenty second. That made it onto the, the tail end of my ballot. That was my ninth uh, best match of the year. Even Walter and Zach Sabre Jr. was in thirty ninth. Walter and Tyler Bate was sixty seventh. Mm. Uh, sorry, yeah, sixty second. LAX and CCK. Um, I think it's the first instance of that match was one hundred and third. Yeah, progress in the hovering around or in the top hundred, but yeah, Rev Pro nowhere near. Um, if you would, you guys have, have put those Rev Pro matches you mentioned that that, that came up in the list uh, as possibilities because I wouldn't. They weren't the three that I was yeah. expecting. Maybe Zack Saber and Okada, but yeah, they definitely weren't the ones I was expecting to see, and I did expect them to be to be placing a bit higher than they did. Uh, no, somebody. I'll be honest. I've got my top match of the year in front of me right now, my whole list, and uh, the highest Rev Pro match is thirty-four, mm-hmm. and that's Suzuki Ishii from uh, Global Wars in Brixton this year. Um, in terms of European matches, in the top twenty, uh, the only ma- the highest 
highest rated was Walter against Tyler Bate at Wembley. Uh, that was ninth. That. Yeah, Walter Osprey uh, was tenth. Uh, what else was in there? And Matt Riddle Osprey at Scrapabadia is eighteenth. Walter versus Mark Davis is nineteenth. So that's four, five matches in the top twenty from Europe last year. Um, so that's what OTT and progress essentially. Oh, and there's a WXW one in there, the um, freeway from 16 carat night two. So not a sort of, you know, quarter of that is represented by European matches and it's just WXW OTT and one progress match. Mm. Um, for, I think for me, for my 10, I kind of had, I had one progress match, Walter and Tim Thatcher, and I had Walter and Will Ospreay and Walter and Jordan Devlin in there, the two NTT mm. matches. Um, but yeah, it is interesting, isn't it? They're like, I think maybe you know you mentioned there about like Ishi, um, Ishi and Suzuki being one that maybe uh, you could have, I could have seen getting voted in. Really, a lot of I think Rev Pro's best matches of the year generally involve Tomohiro Ishi. But I do think that the problem there is, and the reason it probably didn't enter my mind to to pick any of those matches. Is he has better matches in New Japan, so they just don't yeah. they don't come to mind as like big matches of the year. Do you think that's maybe part of the problem that the Red Pro's biggest matches do involve people like that, like Ishii, like Suzuki, like even Zach, whose priority isn't Red Pro anymore? I was I was gonna say absolutely. When you think of Zach's best match of the year, you're thinking of some of the stuff in the New Japan Cup. Um, you're thinking of Ishii's match. You're thinking of his run in the G1. His match of a kid. Yeah, yeah. The the the, the, the Zach match, the a kid match, sort of came around. Well, he got the real no, notoriety towards the end of the year, so it felt a lot more fresher in the memory. Um, I think there were. I'm trying to think of the the other stuff. There's always been that nagging feeling, isn't there? That you know Ishii in Japan is obviously going to be even somewhat more of a. A step up as incredible as that is and that's not in any way to say that you're kind of you know he he doesn't do his utmost in these matches but when you think about it like that it mm. think of the ref pro matches that actually stand out um it makes it seem like it was sort of a lot more of a year in flux than ever has been and i think you know when we talk about ref pro the shows are generally of a of a good level with lots of good wrestling. And like you say, we think of it as a work rate promotion. Yeah, that's uh, it, yeah. Progress is the work yeah. rate promotion for me it's, now. Like, Progress is yeah. like, they're all over this list. And they were more in my mind when I did. I mean, obviously, only one made my top 10. But I can honestly say there was more stuff from, more of the high-end stuff from Progress, who I used to consider a story promotion. Um, and I consider Rev Pro the work rate promotion. I think, if anything, progress has become a... Because that was a big... I mean, I've just recorded the progress year in the view with Suit Williams, and again, it reminded me of that early point in the year where the storylines and the booking in progress was so bad, but the wrestlers were so good that they were saving them month to month, <clears throat> and they are basically a work rate promotion now, whereas that's what I kind of thought of, of Rev Pro as. I think with Rev Pro, the consistency on of the quality of the matches on the undercard around that sort of three and a half star level is really good. Whereas, say with Progress, when I watch a full show, I find I'm seeing a lot of sort of if I'm going stars matches around sort of two and a half, three stars. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you're getting matches that sort of exceed four stars at the other end of the card, if that makes sense. That's Whereas funny. I don't think that's happened quite as much in Rev Pro this year. Mm-hmm. It seems like there's sort of a kind of four star sort of ceiling if you go in with sort of star ratings. Like I say, like I'm trying to think of cockpit shows and like cockpit shows that I've seen matches that I'd say exceeded sort of that four star level. Mm-hmm. There aren't a massive amount of them but 
go into the shows they're still really really enjoyable shows and there's a very good standard of wrestling on the show so it feels like maybe i don't know the selling point of rev pro is just a bit skewed mm-hmm. and has moved away from that high high-end work rate to some degree i also think the fact that they've not had say marty there this yeah. year is yeah. really and people who criticize marty constantly he's cool to hate he's cool to dislike he's cool to make jokes about i understand that he's a salesman as well but for years he was absolutely killing it in rev pro there's no denying that he was rev pro yeah. he was the workhorse of that promotion um i think david Starr's getting there when it comes to replacing mm. him but i don't think he's fully at the level say marty was when he was in his absolute pomp two 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 or so years ago if anything yeah i think though even if marty came back now he wouldn't be having those matches would he like, oh, he'd be mad at him. He made my list for his Osprey match, um, but other than that, for India, <laughs> Japan. But other than that, yeah, I, I don't think Amati is that kind of wrestler anymore, which he definitely was. But I think that's a big thing. The three pillars of Rev Pro are, are him, Zach, and Osprey. And as we said earlier, Zach and Osprey have got other priorities, and, and Marty's play not there. I think that's a, another big part of, again, why they don't feature heavily on a list like this anymore. You mentioned, you mentioned about the list. There's two things that immediately come to mind, one of which is, is that 2019 is where Rev Pro need to go really a lot more all in on someone like David Starr because the, there is the possibility of him really delivering at the top of the card and that has to be part of it. I also think as well, this is this kind of a list for those of us in the bubble who, who, who follow this stuff puts a lot of pressure on Pac Osprey now because obviously <laughs> we spoke about it in terms of the negativity that we had coming out of that show mm. so that it, and you know the fact you're going down there and we spoke about our wariness about it mm. that there is pressure on that and you know what that should be a good thing mm. that should be like okay we we need to have a killer a killer show at the york hall to start off the year mm. and that should be the mentality of it yeah, I think the other thing with, say, Rev Pro as well, is a lot of the wrestlers they're using um, on their undercard as well, say, underneath the New Japan guys or the kind of high-end main eventers, guys like Ridgeway, who have featured a lot this year, um, MK McKinnon, for example, mm. who's really come along in Rev Pro this year, Curtis Chapman, Dan McGee, Josh Bodum, they're all good wrestlers, really, really good wrestlers, but there's something missing with them all still. Mm. They're not quite mm. there in the same way that when you look at the high-end wrestlers in, say, Progress have featured regularly, like, say, Walter, Tyler Bay, um, I suppose Trent Seven to some degree as well. Mm. Those guys are completely there, if that makes sense. Mm. It still feels like a lot of the guys Rev Pro are using underneath are trying to find themselves and are looking to develop, if anything. So I think that definitely plays a part to some degree as well. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. Um, yeah, it's kind of, yeah. I, I kind of looked at the list and, again, I was shocked, but you're right, when I thought it through, that's that was kind of my reasoning as well. That Rev, I think the big thing for Rev Pro, not to make excuses for him this year, but it's been a rebuilding year, hasn't it? And it's yeah, been a year of trying to establish... El Fantasmo, who's not going to give you... At the moment, he's not going to be giving you five-star matches, is he? But it's important to do that development. It's important to get behind Chris Ridgway. It's important, you know, to, to do even more with David Starr. I think maybe if some of the, the, the investment of time they put into guys like that, maybe, yeah, we'll see a resurgence for them in the, in the list in 2018. Um, uh, oh, go on. Oh, no, I was going to say, I really hope so. But you said mentioned El Fantasmo. I forgot to mention him there. <laughs> no. To me, and I'm at, like, every cockpit show... <laughs> 
it kind of says a lot, doesn't it? And mm. I think El Fantasma is good, but I'm not, I don't know, I'm not invested in him, if mm. anything. I feel more invested in, say, MK mm. McKinnon in his mm. brief run than I do El Fantasma. <laughs> oh, the other thing I wanted to mention as well with the, with this list is, yeah, there's three other British, promo- well, European promotions that, are, that made their way on just with one match. Defiant Wrestling, Fight Club Pro and White Wolf Wrestling are on there. Uh, no guessing for what the the White Wolf match was. It was that uh, yeah. A Kid and Zack Saber Junior match. Twenty ninth. I mean, for a promotion like that, who will have got no press until you know, uh, sorry, a scene that would have got no press until this year. That's uh, that's quite the achievement. Uh, Defiant got on there for the Walter Will Osprey match, the the first version of that, the one that I was there live at. Uh, mm. Michael Pro though got on there. I mean, this is a trivia. You know, could you even guess? What the Fight Club Pro matches that that made it uh, onto this list of two hundred and eighty odd matches? I have a bad feeling. Is it a Death House match? No. Okay. It's a multi man, which might help. Uh, multi person, even to give you a better clue. Uh, Millie McKenzie. Some British strong style. Uh, the the match was Mustache Mountain. Versus Pete Dunne and Millie McKenzie versus Jonah Rock and Mark Davis versus CCK. A multi-tag match. Had, had any of you heard of that thing? I, I, I don't know if it was just me, whether I'm just going mad, but maybe it says something about how close I'm following Fight Club Pro. No, no idea. I've not been... I went to one show last year. They're a VOD. They're not a VOD promotion. They're a live promotion. I haven't seen it. Didn't even know about it. Yeah, that's it. Like, they've got a show going on tonight, haven't they? And I, was cons- I think the snow <laughs> would have put me off anyway. But I was a bit of myself for not even considering going because, like, it's it's happening as we're recording here. You know, Walter Mark Davis to get to see that again, I would have been up for. Osprey and Kyle Fletcher would have been an interesting match to get to. Um, yeah, but you're right. I think that's what it is. Like a match like that. I didn't. I, in fairness, it only. I think it only got voted for once. Um, I assume whoever voted for it put it very high on the list for it to make 118 overall. Uh, but yeah, I didn't hear any buzz about that thing. It shows the power of will cooling. <laughs> there you go yeah I bet you as well it probably was <laughs> um, shall we move on then to talking uh, some of the shows uh, some of the other shows we've been uh, watching over the, the last couple of weeks uh, I don't know where you want to start really uh, I got to WrestlePlo live uh, you guys have been watching a lot of uh, VOD uh, we all watched uh, at least bits of the, <laughs> the latest <laughs> progress show uh, where should we start um, tell us about WrestlePro because you were there live oh cool yeah um, yeah WrestlePro it's kind of like it's a promotion up here in the northwest. I won't go into like a huge amount of deal, detail on the matches or anything. There's a review from Jeff Ogden, uh, Graps and Naps, uh, Andy's brother. He's done a he's done a review on the Indie Corner website that that goes into the show as a whole. Um, it's funny because I, I, my, when they first came onto my radar, the, the only thing I thought was that's a bit of a, a stupid name for a promotion because there's already a WrestlePro in America. Like I think even the at WrestlePro Twitter handle and Instagram handle is taken by that promotion and these are a WrestlePro UK. Uh, they're more of a training school uh, than anything. They do, like a, they do do like a weekly quote-unquote TV show on Facebook, which I always think is impressive for a, a promotion of their size. It'll usually be like a, a big match that, uh, that's happened at one of their shows. Um, but they've got links to, to Future Shock. Uh, they've also got links to, to Grand Pro. In fact, I think they've outright merged the, the schools uh, between the two of them. Uh, I'm guessing it's not a, not, not a name of a promotion that's uh, come across either your radars? Nope. No, not at all. Yeah, I wouldn't expect to, to be honest. Yeah, it, and it, and again, the the show I mainly went because 
it's it was a show where they were doing their they did like a, a next generation cup which again it's a, a sh- they try to get a, the, the trainees experience that's the whole point of these shows it's a bit similar to to when i was talking about uh, fighting spirit wrestling um but it was kind of eight of the better wrestlers uh, from the northwest who were up and coming like they were speaking of the ogdens i mean the main event of the show was a, a dream match for andy ogden uh, callum corey uh, going up against shake el sham uh, two of his favorites uh, two people i've written uh, things uh, in fighting spirit magazine about uh, the one to watch article uh, matt brooks in there another one i wrote something about uh, big joe the smaller big joe uh, i didn't write that one but he was another uh, fsm one to watch it felt like going and just seeing you know the, the next possible generation of, of british talent uh, and seeing you know what's actually what's there in the the undergraps of of the undergrass scene and i've got to be honest it was impressive like i went went out it was a sunday afternoon show i traveled down uh, met my mate Carl. i i thought it was a later show so i was a little bit late getting in there and missed i think it was an opening squash from uh, with alex cyanide aka crater um who kind of goes by both of those names now and uh, got his name mixed up by the the uh, his, his opponent as well um yeah it's one of those it, it's as far as like the setup goes it's actually quite impressive like did you did you see the photos jp that are put yeah. on, uh, on twitter and instagram it's like uh, it's at, like the back room of i think it's a lifestyle gym in salford and it's like the they've got like a whole i think it's it's like a gymnastic setup and there's like all kinds of like gym mats and gym like i went through about 12 different i got there quite late so almost got in for free as well but i think i was the last paying customer i got led down this merry path past like i say all this gymnastic equipment there was like running equipment and there was just it is it's basically a gym and then they've got this back room that's like almost like a it looks like a basement room and you can tell they probably were doing nothing with it and that's what's turned into their their training school because it's like it's actually quite impressive the setup they've got like big blue banners with the the name of the promotion up they've actually got bleachers which is really cool it looks like from an aesthetic point of view you don't often see that do you in british wrestling like having like the tall bleachers uh when i wrote the thing about callum Curry, he was saying that's where his uh his family sits and where his uh his nan will take the wrestling a bit too seriously and uh be threatening to come down and attack his opponents i didn't see any of that but yeah it was kind of cool i think there was a lot of like family of wrestlers there but also fans as well i was sat with the ogdens and uh and our mate collier the silent producer of this show uh, right at the top of the bleachers uh there were some wrestlers in the corner who were making some uh interesting remarks about some of the some of the people on the card as well but it kind of yeah and check it out you can see it on my instagram or you can see it on my twitter profile as far as making like something out of nothing and turning like what should be just a a crap little room uh into like something that actually looks like a like a mini wrestling arena it's kind of cool it's a bit like um what's that promotion that uh, the trevor lee wrestles for in, in america oh um, cwf mid-atlantic or something yeah and you, you can tell can't you it's like a little mini warehouse like yeah. a, or like a or like someone's garage but they've done it up enough that it actually looks decent on tape that's a that's mainly what i'd kind of uh, compare the the setup the, the wrestle pro i've got here to oh it looks good i mean the thing that kind of stood out from from the stuff you pull up on um, social media was the big t spot yeah big t just the saw our pal uh, we all walked away from uh from pcw's road to glory last year didn't we uh big fans of uh of him and tell barnum uh he does like he i mean it's he was for a while just pretty much rip off mr hughes 
uh, I will take credit for that. Me and my mate Gary, uh, probably mainly Gary, uh, we were talking to him after a show once, telling him that that's the that's the gimmick he should do, he should do, and it does fit him well. But he started wearing proper wrestling gear now, and he's coming along in ring. He's still not great, but he doesn't have to be. He's massive, isn't he? And that works. But yeah, I posted like a somebody posted the video, and like he does like a torture rack. He did it to Sonna Derson, who he, he faced in the opening round of the of the next gen cup. But because he's so big, he wraps Sonna Dawson pretty much around his head. And I've never seen this before. He's hitting Sonna Dawson Derson with his own foot hitting his head over and over again. Like but like basically bending his back like entirely to like a hundred and eighty degree angle. Like if anyone can pull that off, it's big T, but yeah, quite impressive. Uh, I'm guessing you saw the gift, JP. Yeah, I've just showed it to Joe now. Um, sort of Mark Henry-esque. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it works for him. I don't know if you can do that to everyone, but yeah, it just made me think. Yeah, what was what was Lex Luger doing back in the day? Why wasn't? Uh, why didn't he take uh, the to- the uh, the torture act to that next level? Well, Hulk Hogan tapped out to an episode of Nitro, mate. So it was enough for him. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, uh, but yeah, that that was like a, a fun, not a squash, but you know, a strong win for him. Uh, there was a fun Matt Brooks and uh, Big Joe match. Big Joe, I've mentioned on this podcast a few times, who does like the the small man gimmick who thinks he's massive. Um, he reminds me of oh, I can't remember then his name. There's like a, a Jamie, somebody who used to wrestle for Future Shock. Who always did the gimmick that he was only 14 years old. So he was a tiny fella, and every time every time he hit a move, he'd stand up and go, and I'm only 14 years old. And Joe seems to have kind of taken that gimmick on, where it's the it's the gimmick where he thinks in his in his mind he's seven foot and he's massive, um, but it, it leads to lots of, of heat from like the kids in the crowd who are outright challenging him to fights. Uh, lots of fun chants. Uh, Matt Brooks, who does the opera gimmick, come out doing the uh, sang a song about him to the uh, the style of Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, about Big Joe being tiny, I think the Ogdens are going to steal and and use for songs on a, on a, on a future <laughs> show. Uh, it was definitely my kind of like that, you know, that level of wrestling. Lots of comedy, lots of character work, and yeah, loads of fun. Like Big Joe is definitely somebody that uh, hopefully uh, will at some point break out of just the the Northwest scene because he as like an entertaining under undercard heel. Uh, there isn't many better on the Northwest scene right now. So, yeah, that was fun. And, yeah, the main event was fun. Uh, Callum Corey, again, continues to look great. Um, he's recovering from a couple of injuries. So I think the, the best of him is probably uh, best to come later in the year. But, yeah, he had a good main It was probably the best choice for a main event with Sheikh El Sham, who's, who's your mate, JP, who we met in the, oh, uh, the yeah. Stanley Arms uh, that time <laughs> after PCW. Works he's kind of as the Sheikh. He does. He's really developed, though. You know, he, when we saw him uh, at PCW, he was pretty much, you know, the shake gimmicks kind of, it can be stereotypical, but he does a good job of, of turning it into something different, you know, being about, you know, I'm having loads of money and I'm having, like, the ex-boxing background. But it does feel like he's leaning a lot more into the boxing stuff. Like, the you know, he, when we saw him, our first comment was that he, he's clearly aping Nazim Hamed, and there's a lot of that still. Uh, but he's kind of turned it into his own thing. He's in great shape. He's got a great look, lots of charisma. And, yeah, I think they're leaning more into that, like, you know, that prime boxer role works best for me for him as a gimmick so yeah he again really strong main event between him and him and Callan Corey and yeah I thought uh, he really looked good and I'd expect to see him on more radars I think he did like a he was on like raw like doing extra work but mm. I'm very surprised that, uh, that NXT UK haven't snapped him up yet is he on PCW road to glory 
yeah, they'll be building that around him. The, the, the story is kind of <laughs> that he's trying to buy PCW from uh, from under Stephen Flutter and take over. I know Andy was saying at the uh, at the Blackpool show that they did, where it was the geniusly named uh, PCW Overtake uh on the weekend of takeover uk uh he was on the show where he was supposed to be wrestling i think in his in his suit pants and shoes and and yeah shoes i think he took his shoes off so he was just wrestling his socks and then his pants split so he basically finished the match in his underwear if that doesn't tell you what kind of a pro he is that that that's him all over but yeah he'll be all over that show when we uh make our return to road to glory weekend so him and flatter are going to be cutting promos back and forth yeah, that seems to be like the big thing right now. Yeah, where he's uh, he's trying to take over. I bet they've been outside the Stanley Arms on cold winter nights, stood across the door from one another, and they're all black doorman suits, cutting those promos on one another, doing a bit of rehearsal. Absolutely, <laughs> they've had that nailed, wouldn't yeah. they? At this point, yeah, oh, I'm really happy for him because he was a he was a really nice bloke, and mm. it'd be interesting to see. Obviously, ourselves in a couple of weeks' time, we get to see him live, um, mm. but. I mean, one of the things I found when following him on, on sort of social media as well is that he's been working a lot of the camp shows. So I imagine mm-hmm. his, his crowd interaction, which was which was good even for as raw as he was. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got a real presence. And you know what? If you're going to sort of take a, a gimmick from a, from another sport, like Nassim Hamid, that's a, that's a really good one to go with. And he looks the part. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, he kind of he makes it like work for him rather than it being you know the the, the stereotypical gimmick that that, that could yeah. be. Uh, but I would say that you know you say about like uh, doing different things and work with crowds. He's kind of taken on he's the Joey catchphrase from Friends. The how you doing? That's become like his little mini catchphrase. That's not good. He needs to drop that. And again, it, it brings back brings back memories of Enzo Amore as well. And I don't think we need that. Oh no! Don't need don't need any <laughs> don't need any of that at all. Definitely, oh. but but yeah, I definitely recommend it. You know, as a show, it's only it was seven pound for a ticket, uh, quite easily reachable in, in Salford, pretty centrally located, at least as far as Salford goes. They had, I think, the Ogdens were made up because the beers were about two pound. They literally said there was clearly they, like it was the most indie thing ever because they had snacks, but it was clearly like you know those multi pack bags of like imitation chipsticks that you can get in like asda and tesco it was like that that like a multi-pack they just spread on the table and they were selling them for about 10p ago um mini mars bars uh, little cans of coke it, it, it's a great that's the, that's the way british wrestling should be none of this uh, six pound for a pint bollocks uh, i think WrestlePro have at least got got that aspect of the presentation right so if i can recommend them for anything i'd, uh, I'd highly recommend them for that what beers are they serving think it was cause i think if oh, i remember rightly i think i think that's what jeff says yeah. in his review uh yeah that is a it, that wouldn't make a joe's beer corner would it mate it would make like joe's getting the bin beer corner or something yeah <laughs> the same they're doing so i mean because i mean having seen the pictures the presentation looks really good they've got mm. some sort of good young talent on there as well but like i say i think it's the cause is just a complete deal breaker at this point. <laughs> is that it is that is that yeah. the red line that that rest that wrestle pro uk have, have crossed <laughs> there you go there's our feedback yeah next time do that um better beer and yeah i i i think that's probably my only suggestive improvement because you go into a, a show like that with low expectations anyway so you know a show where you're going to see a lot of trainees this was maybe a higher level than normal because of the tournament action but there was like a i think it was like an eight person uh, multi-person trainee match with 
not the best wrestlers in the world. It's a bit like I remember when I used to watch Shikara in the early 2000s and you kind of go in going, okay, I know that a lot of the guys in here are, are wrestling students. So it's kind of, it's, it's understandable that, you know, the, maybe the, the level of talent isn't, isn't quite going to be the highest. But as long as you, you go in with that expectation, it's, it's all right. And, and in fairness, the, the multi-person match with the young trainees at the, the Biscuit Club uh, there. I think one of them was, I think one of them was called Jammy Dodger and the other one was called Rich T. I'm pretty, <laughs> sure, that, I'm pretty sure that was the names. And if you're going to give, like, uh, if you're going to give trainees a, a gimmick, then, that's the one for me. You've got to do that. There was a lot of, yeah, a biscuit tin got emptied into the ring. Uh, there was all kinds of shenanigans with that. Again, that's perfect if you're gonna if you're gonna do a match with trainees. They should add Gary and Boldy to the team as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah sure. <laughs> so, so the students, I ended up watching that Billington Bulldogs match on a Defiant. That was terrible, about. isn't it? But 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 great weirdly fun. engaging yeah what it was it was great fun but also like they were you know just seeing those spots as a pure exhibition it was it was fun to see and uh, raw talent as well like they'd mastered those spots you know <laughs> fair mm. play to them but i've also got to say marty jones ah oh, brilliant 2019 is maybe not you know marty jones peak year in terms of his sense of humor but i was pissing myself and i was watching him thinking that bloke can cut a promo why not WWE get him in instead of the legendary Johnny Saint who everyone apparently knows about and loves? Marty Jones. Uh-huh. Marty Jones is the Jack Duckworth of uh, British wrestling, if you ask me. He's got the same glasses as him. He's got the same body as him. He was out there in a suit of his shirt untucked, blazer that was 10 times too big for him. Cracking jokes throughout the 1980 social club introducing the Billington Bulldogs. It was like the spirit of the kind of comedy I imagine a dynamite kid would have loved was still alive, if anything. <laughs> I thought it was great. Did, did you not think, though, like, like I said it on our last show, that watching the two of them wrestle, there's no indication they've been trained by Marty Jones there because they felt like two spotty indie kids who were just... I mean, it's good. I'm glad for it, but... I think somebody needs to maybe take them aside. I think there's, there's definitely fundamentals lacking. I think if you... Maybe with more time and more experience, they'll be better. But they're definitely, well, as much as I enjoy that, there's room for improvement, isn't there? But at the same time, were they told to just go hit the spots? You know, mm. were they told do that? Did they need to show the See, fundamentals off? I think this is Marty Jones' master plan. He realised, have this massive spot fest, let this go a bit viral, and then tone it back in the later mm. weeks because then you've kind of got on in. Yeah, and, and maybe that maybe he's just so in touch with what's gonna connect with a modern audience and we've just all missed out on it well i'm hoping <laughs> that marty jones turns up in rev pro with the billings yeah. and bulldogs to pay off the josh bodum angle yeah. for the british j cup in 2017 we've still had a great angle so billings and <laughs> bulldogs versus bodum and someone else i'm up for that this time next year they'll be there they'll be everywhere them too you can just see it can't you? especially that the tommy the the blonde one with the longer hair um they're going to be absolutely everywhere. So, yeah, hopefully yeah, we do get to see them in Red Pro. It's, it's funny, mate. I mean, Joe just mentioned about having Marty Jones as the figurehead of NXT. I mean, we watched a little bit of NXT UK to mm. this week's episode. Still haven't oh, there's that. a really strong uh, Ginny match on there, isn't there? Well, we've we've got to that point. Is, oh, I was hoping Joe had seen it. Uh, her and Casey Owens. I was wondering if you were being sarcastic there. Then, uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. But I think Ginny, if, if anyone, she's better off in the WWE system because she can just she can do the character stuff. Yeah, she can have okay matches, and you know, no one's expecting her to have you know 
match of the year candidates. Although, yeah, the, although the standard is much higher in WWE now for women, I think she can maybe f- fade into the background a little bit better than she does uh, on the indie scene. Yeah, I don't, I don't need to watch her anymore either, so I'm fine with that. So <laughs> that works. Any other overall thoughts on NXT UK from what you saw? I thought the uh, did the you Waltz. see the Walter squash? I, yeah, that I was good. Really liked that. Jack Stars mm. bumping his ass off. Yeah. God. Did you see his chest? He literally, it was literally, I know we, you know, that's like a, a, the done thing. No, look at the state of the chest after Walter's chops. But it was literally Walter's hand. You could see the imprint, like the, the little bits of his hand on his chest. If that was anyone other than Walter, we might even be calling them unprofessional, but it's hilarious when it's Walter Oliver. It's, it's kind of crazy that they're playing into this. It made me wonder whether or not Walter is part of his deal. It's like, look, this is who I am as a wrestler. This is what I'm going to do. Because it just seemed unusual and sort of very un-WWE-like that they would kind of have that kind of over-strike and really play up on it as well. Um, but yeah, I'd like to say as well, I mean, it was it was a squash match the way that it should be. In terms of, even when Stars got the offence in, Walter no-sold it in a way that was good. But I have to no, say... JP, his name's not Walter, it's the Austrian Anomaly. Get that in. Oh, yeah. If, if I could say something, I was, I was pissed off when as soon as I heard this this line. I'm, I'm reading directly from my notes. Tonight, the NXT UK universe will bear witness to the devastation and power of the Austrian anomaly. And I just put down the next line, what absolute bollocks. <laughs> just yes. what does that mean? I mean, and that's part of the thing that I find completely unwatchable. I heard Vic Joseph was a good commentator before he went to WWE it's he could be Tom Phillips where did he commentate before I don't know somewhere on the US Indies I can't think where I remember hearing people that when he signed with them but God's sakes it's that kind of crap is all over what I've seen of it so far Mm. Uh, and the NXT UK universe (laughs) think about those like that phrase and what it actually means. I mean, it's, it's just this bizarre other world that they exist well, I've in. I've got a championship opportunity. I'll well, smack down live next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing... <laughs> Jesus. And the thing about this is, is that one of the better parts was when Gibson was doing his promo, which felt mm. completely natural. And then Sid Scala comes out doing one of those WWE promos that everyone, you know, everyone backstage is loving. <laughs> just thinking how amazing it is. But yeah. no one, no one talks like that. And he's really good at delivering it. But it's yeah, non- honest, nonsense. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when you can bore me with a, a pro- with a, a promo segment that has uh, Zach Gibson out there, then that's, uh, that kind of says everything, doesn't it? Um, uh, so I take it you haven't finished that show yet? You haven't, haven't seen it? Uh, I haven't finished it. We were watching it just before we were, uh, we were starting to record. We, is there much else worth watching? should absolutely watch the main event. Uh, Fabian Eichner and uh, Marcel Barthel, uh, whoever that guy is, against Mustache Mountain. Not, you know, not like four, five-star match, but a really good tag main event. Maybe a touch long, but I would recommend watching it. I watched uh, what they're called the European, European Union, aren't they? Mm. Good, good. Oh, they're going for Brexit. Heat them too. And their heels. Oh, mate, it puts me off going to NXT UK shows, even more being a crowd, a bunch of moronic, bloody-minded Brexiteers. <laughs> we need to get out now. That sort of shite. Oh, my God, I can't imagine being in that crowd. They know how to divide a crowd. Um, so I won't be going to those shows. Another reason why. But I saw those guys against um, Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch the other week as well. Oh, that was a really good Fun five-minute match. Lorcan and Birch are uh, facing the Grizzled Young Vets are yep. coming up, aren't they? That's a match I'm looking for. Lorcan and Birch are one of my favourite tag teams. I think that's 
both so underrated. Lorcan's a guy who I think didn't get a big enough run on the indies. Like mm-hmm. he needed a longer run on the indies because there's so much that he kind of left on the table when he left in terms of matches he could have, in terms of the date that he went as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I know they filmed a bunch of episodes of NXT UK in the US last week. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, access. You know, with people go people go in to get autographs from from wrestlers like Bobby Lashley and then in the background you might be able to catch, catch yourself a match. I can't say I'm going to be rushing to, to see that. I, I, to be honest, I enjoyed this last episode of NXT UK. Can't say I'm really excited for Walter and Mark Coffey, but I'll, I, I haven't... When it's one hour a week, I can live with it and it's actually not a bad hour of TV. It's going to be a terrible hour of TV in front of a crowd that will not give a fuck um, yeah. access. I can't see that translating well at all. Well, it says what they think of the brand and the respect they have for it. It's bargain basement money-saving wrestling at this point, isn't it? But mm. they've got to stifle competition. Well, we can save some money by just doing air access in a big empty yeah. arena. Yeah, cool. That's not in the UK either, isn't it? It's meant to be a UK brand. Like That's the whole it's, thing. It's just, it's a joke of a brand, an absolute it, joke. It, it, yeah. we, said, we said this last time when we were, we were talking about it is as a brand itself it's so interchangeable and follows all of the other tropes that all the other brands do as well even nxt itself which obviously isn't sort of at the high echelon of of all of the content that they produce but there's still no identity and there certainly isn't the uk identity if that's what what they're they're going for if they're the, the, shows on access there's the potential for it though isn't it because like i yes. watched this like this last tv and i think they're doing Walter pretty well, and I think there's, there's, you know, if they carry on down that road, and and you know, Walter and Pete Dunn could be a big match to build to. But Triple H outright said on a conference call that he doesn't know when there's going to be another takeover. So, what are you even aiming for? The tag division is a lot of, you know, Mustache Mountain are great. Throw Eichner and Barthel in there. <laughs> Throw a couple of other teams in there. <clears throat> that could be. You could build around that. That's what all Elite are going to be trying to do is like emphasize the tag division. There's plenty of things you could do to give it an identity. They're just not completely committed to doing it aimless directionless wrestling that's there just to like i said stifle competition so they can continue to be a monopolistic evil company but it's all right because everyone's got jobs and they're getting paid and i'm happy (laughs) i can still dislike the fact that this shite exists yeah definitely what what else are you guys been watching i mentioned uh, wrestle pro i'm guessing you guys didn't uh Oh, it's actually, is it this weekend, the Nasty Boys show that's uh, in your area? I know they're working somewhere tonight. It's tomorrow, and I was talking to JP earlier about we haven't made our yearly trip to 4FW. Mm. Uh, I've got, I'm going to London tomorrow to see some friends, so uh, unfortunately I'm not going to be able to get down to Swindon, and JP is also otherwise engaged, so (laughs) it's a massive shame because the Bruiser and the Nasty Boys, that's a proper dream match there that should be on a joey janella style show if you ask me <laughs> yeah. yeah it's a real shame we'll have to get to four fws hopefully the nasty boys pop the house and draw big time they bring them back well aren't they where well, tonight they're in dull is are the ogdens going to see them where are they darleston oh yeah i saw that i thought that was a typo i was like is it dalston darleston never heard of the place you might get a nasty boys in dalston mate not unless you're <laughs> promoting that <laughs> Yo, they'd be perfect on a Jin Lala show. Yeah, they could be in Dulce. I could see them on a hipster show. That could work. <laughs> It'd be a crazy. We'd just be stood in the audience going, what is going on? The world has <laughs> gone completely berserk. Uh, Which is hilarious because TNA used them like 
legitimately about five years ago. Uh, oh, that yeah. says everything. I remember well. <laughs> uh, what else have you been watching then? Other, unfortunately, other than uh, the Nasty Boys. Oh, well, I caught the um, OTT Contender show. Um, mm. I showed Joe one of the matches when he when he came round tonight to record. Um, just thinking to myself that actually it's one of the things I've, I've you know subscribed to OTT on demand and. Just thought, yeah, I need to be seeing more of these contenders shows. Just interest to see what was there. Um, really enjoyable. Like, a thoroughly enjoyable card. Sort of mm. two and a half hours. Did exactly what it should have done. I mean, even though the arena isn't the same, it felt like it had the kind of vibe of a cockpit in terms of the aim of it. Lots of younger talent, sometimes wrestling the more sort of experienced wrestlers and trainers at, at, at the schools as well. Um, but the top three matches were all re- really good, um, including one that's uh, it's it's a really good match and worth checking out if you can do. And that was um, Scotty Davis and Speedball Mike Bailey. Mm, I had big things about that. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Joe watched it tonight. Oh, it's well. awesome, great match, absolutely. And and you know we've all sung the praises of Speedball Mike Bailey many times. It's it's shame in a way we don't get to see him more if he's not wrestling in in the US. I mean, someone who, if he didn't have that, you wonder what the contract situation would be for him if he was able to get a visa in the US and the value you could get out of him. But, you know, he came over, had this match with Scotty Davis, who I'm right in thinking he is 18. Um, he's terrifyingly good for 18. Like, really seeing him here, it was so... He was so fluid. He's got a really sort of defined offense and defined style to him as well as the fact he's 18 and has grown a cracking beard and moustache which i couldn't have done and i'm quite hairy so <laughs> like I was, i'm quite amazed by that but they had a really great match um with you know sort of really good counters good strikes um scotty davis with the submissions and the suplexes in particular um and then you know bay Davis ends up winning, which, you know, raises him up. And, you know, you thought to yourself, I want to see a rematch for that. It's a really, really great match. Well worth checking out. I loved his match with Jordan Devlin. That made the um, the voices list. I think that was in the top 150, which impressed me. Um, yeah. yeah. He's he's definitely like the, he's got to, I mean, he's already breaking out already, but the breakout star of 2019 seems likely based on, again, the Devlin match and, and what that match sounds like. Absolutely. I mean, he's, he's the case now. He's the kind of, kind of guy you want to just be getting over here mm. like most weekends where he's not have, not wrestling in Ireland I mean he's he's someone who's well worth um, getting on to and, and it could be a really big year for him I mean, God knows what the landscape of wrestling will be um, main event they had A-Kid and, and Devlin who had um, again really good match um, that Devlin won I mean he's he just the dynamic was great because you know Devlin feels like the ace so he's got real star presence when he comes out. Um, A-Kid is, you know, after that Zack Sabre match, I mean, he's just being elevated up as a result. Did you say it was what, was it 29th or something like that in the in the Voice of the Wrestling match of the year? So, I mean, you know, he's someone with a big reputation and he had a match with Devlin here that, again, really good. Um, uh, and the crowd were just obviously kind of, off the hook with with Jordan Devlin, and then they had a great angle afterwards where David Starr came out, and um, 
he was being held back by Scotty Davis. I'm trying to think who the other person was. Um, and he pile drove Scotty Davis on the outside, sort of setting up a match between them. And Devlin's been held back in the ring. And it was it, it, it that also was, was brought in earlier on when Starr had a match with Terry Thatcher, um, another Irish wrestler. And there's kind of this storyline being built where a lot of the younger Irish wrestlers are really angry about what he's done with Jordan Devlin. Um, so they're kind of gunning after David Starr and he's kind of taking them out as well. And obviously we're expecting Devlin to beat Starr um, at the, uh, what show is it next they've got coming up? It's the big, it's a stadium show on the day after the York All That's right. show. Yeah, the stadium show. And then obviously after that, they've got Scrapermania, which you'd imagine it'll be Devlin Walter for. But if you can have David Starr, Scotty Davis in a semi-main, uh, you know, I think they could have an absolute uh, banger of a match. Mm, yeah, it um, does sound like that's the direction they're going. Sad that I'm not making it up for that one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's St. Patrick's Day weekend, so, I mean, either mm. you stay up all night and get on a very early plane the next morning or you fork out big bucks or sleep on a park. I don't know. You're saying you're not willing to do that to go spend the time with your fellow country? <laughs> no, not you're not much of a patriot, are you? He'd rather go <laughs> to Preston and hang around with Sheikh El Sham. That's what he'd rather do. That's exactly and filthy Tom Lawler. Damn right, damn right. Bit <laughs> of that. Um, but overall, yeah, really fun show to check out. I mean, there's one horrible moment with the Katie Harvey injury, and mm. hopefully she recovers. It was a horrible freak accident where she does a dive to the outside and kind of it just in the, it, this kind of hit the sweet spot of where everybody, no one was able to capture her in this kind of tight bunch. And she broke both of her elbows and her arm, but um, hopefully she's, she's better soon because she's again, real figure and real presence, but it, it was horrible to hear of an injury like that. Yeah. Really good fun. I, I look forward to going to see one of those. Oh, good stuff. Well, she's been watching. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. Thought you were going to carry on. Uh, what else have you been watching then, uh, other than that one? I watched the Rev Pro uh, Guildford show earlier. Um, had a snow day at work today, so I had a little bit of time amongst marking to uh, watch this one as well. So that was snow all right. Day? Is it that bad down there? We haven't uh, had a snow day, Getting to where we work would have been hard. I got a text at 7.20 saying college closed, so I was like, oh, okay. This, this is our re- revenge, JP, for that story that was in the press this week about how uh, Oxford gets five times the investment of Liverpool. Uh, you get all the snow, we get none of it, but you get all of our Tory money. Mate, all of the in- all of the investment this place gets does not go into facilities or anything for me and him. It goes into the bloody university and goes to uh-huh. the kind of student population, if anything. That uni oh. is a bloody disgrace that's what i'll say for it it's not is that the one with richard benson hall or is that the is that like a library that's, or something? that's like a sort of church hall that's well in the, in the nice bit like cowley yeah mm. the center of oxford's just narnia <laughs> and there's now a massive shopping center and the business rates have gone up hugely so lots of independent businesses are closing down and as a city it's kind of really fallen behind the times compared to what it was when i first moved here southampton which is my own town is way ahead of Oxford in many ways now, which I would not have said when I left to come and live here eight, nine years ago. Um, so, <laughs> mate, I wouldn't worry about that. Liverpool's a much cooler place than Oxford. Trust me. Um, fair enough, yeah. you know. It, it is a, it's a bit of a disgrace, really. I think the stats were that uh, 
Oxford got £816 more a day spent on each uh, each person that lives there. Start realities are living in the north as opposed to, uh, to Tory Central. Mate, how much are you paying for your flat? You know what, yeah, I'll, I'll let that go. <laughs> yeah, cost of living down here. That's what me and I'm strike this week, trust me. Oh, God. Um, yeah. My mate lives in, like, a nice area in Cheshire, and he just bought a house for, like, 450 grand, and I was like, yeah, where I live, uh, maybe not in Crosby where I live, but in Bootle up the road, you could buy about 10 houses for that. Exactly, exactly. And at the same time, you've got two football teams in your city centre, True. The football team here has been shoved out to the fringe of the city mm. and playing a stadium that's in a retail park with a view <laughs> cinema, a bowling alley, yeah. some absolutely terrible fast food restaurants, a Frankie and Benny's. And to top it off, the stadium has three fucking stands and there's no yeah. atmosphere in the ground. So, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Big cup games, you get people in vans just park, parking up. Like, we went to see a game against Man City earlier in the season. They just stood on top of a truck watching <laughs> Enough, we should have done that. It's like twenty-seven quid a pop. Best thing about that view, though, fiver a film can't complain. Yeah. <laughs> you I remember when I was pro in Guildford. Red pro in Guildford. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say when I was a kid, I remember when uh, one of Everton Stadium, one of the park ends was uh, were getting rebuilt, and there were loads of houses behind where you could just see people in their bedrooms watching the games. Like I'd be sat there in the Gladys Street, just thinking as a kid, man, I wish I lived in that house. But that's a sidebar. Oh, mate, the Dell. There was a block of flats above the Archers Road end of Adele, the best end, the rowdy end, which is where I heard uh, various words of the first one in my life when I sat in there before the age of 10. Um, there was a block of flats above there. You used to see people looking down, just watching games. And I remember an evening game I went to against Cardiff, where we won 2-0, Gordon Watson with two goals. And uh, just watching people at night, just looking down. People going into the flat as well. So like they were on the stairwells and the flat, and it was kind of like crowd up as people were just looking down the game. I remember, I remember thinking the same thing. That's where I'm living when I'm older. Three seasons. <laughs> Rest in peace, the Dell. Um, great, great place. Um, anyway, Rev Pro in uh, well, Rev Pro are expanding into new territories, but they are retaining their links to Southampton. And the place that they do run, you know, infamous for more football memories than myself, as I've mentioned before. So there's the crap segue into this <laughs> bit. Um, but yeah, the, the actual venue in Guildford, I've got to say, looks all right. It's kind of like a theatre. So you've got one, you've got people in sort of three sides. There's a whole area with a stage. But then opposite the stage, you've got this whole kind of theatre kind of setting. The ring's not on any sort of platform, but you do have fans on both sides of the ring as well. But the, the theatre seating goes way back. They actually looked like they did or did an all right house. There was sort of 300 in there for a first show, maybe. It was quite well lit. The production values in the VOD were terrible. And at one point, Andy Quilden even spoke about the terrible production values on the show as well, <laughs> which I was amazed to hear to be um, honest for rev pro if it's terrible that sounds really bad because i don't think it's when it's good i don't think it's good oh it was bad like really bad at points oh, like no. really sloppy i've got to say um in terms of the show itself it was fine the wrestling was good up and down the car it was weird seeing jay white in this sort of setting after last seeing him against akada in the tokyo dome he had a match with Chris Ridgway where they were a little bit off of each other at first, a little bit of a styles clash, didn't seem too comfortable with one another, but by the end of the match, they were having a pretty solid match, to be honest. 
Um, and generally, it seemed like it was actually a good first trip to a new venue. The crowd were quite into the show throughout as well. Like There was quite vocal sort of crowd, quite loud crowd throughout. You can tell that they kind of maybe didn't follow RevPro or Independent Wrestler that closely based on certain reactions to say, like Rob Lias came out and it was a, who are you, Charm? So, yeah, you're going to know who he is if you follow Rev Pro, but if you're not following Rev Pro, he's not really been anywhere else. You're not going to know who he is. But then Osprey was super over. Uh, That was cool. Zach was over as well. Um, It was a solid show. They played off the Brooks Osprey angle from um, the last York Hall show as well. Um, The match was good. I've got to say, when Brooks was an offense, it was quite boring. Uh, (laughs) But as soon as Osprey started doing Will Osprey things, it was very good so it was kind of a match of two arms but no surprise there that's um, the weird thing with like on the on twitter it's almost like brooks is trying to babyface himself against osprey's kind of because he's, he's <laughs> deleted the twitter again uh, over some bullshit a tweet he made about uh, two women's wrestlers in japan it's a whole thing oh, yeah. um but yeah oh, it's weird it's kind of weird that they're making that almost part of the story like I, i'm not even clear who the heel or babyface is there no, I wasn't really either. I think Brooks is meant to be the heel, but mm. he's, he's kind of half heel. To me, he sums up that kind of tongue-in-cheek heeldom, which I just mm. hate. Um, and I'll talk about that when we come on to progress in a minute as well. But it's, hello, I'm Chris Brooks. I'm really nice. I'm a really good graphic designer. I sell good T-shirts. Come and buy my T-shirts. Boomy. Mm. Uh, <laughs> it worked for some people, I suppose. But we're in a generation where people need their wrestlers to be nice and talk to them at the merch table. Otherwise, they have a meltdown and start crying and have a platform to outrage on Twitter about that, don't they? So Brooks has kind of, I don't know, got it right to some extent, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he understands the current generation, let's just say. Um, also, uh, you know what? Great O'Carl versus MK McKinnon. Not a bad match. Like, MK McKinnon, you. say again. I don't believe you. Honestly, I'm. I, I hate to say, I'm into Ocar. Oh, I don't man. mind it. They're doing ironically, though. I don't mind it. Honestly, oh, no. I think the underdog, the matches with these kind of underdog baby faces having a battle from underneath, they're not bad matches. They're kind of basic formulaic matches where the same thing kind of happens, but the formula sort of works, and people get annoyed at the end of it, and people are going to pop big when Ocar loses. And he's facing McKinnon again at your call. And the way that this match was laid out and the way that the commentary was talking about McKinnon afterwards, I think he's beating him at your call. Really? Yeah. And you watch yeah, we... that crowd pop when McKinnon goes over Great O'Connor. MK McKinnon's looking really good. Yeah. Like, really impressive how he's managed to rebuild himself. And these Rev Pro bookings, I think his confidence is skyrocketed with these mm. bookings, to be honest with you. Feels like there's real confidence in him in the promotion, and he's starting to really establish himself as a kind of a regular on the shows as well. It's weird that he's dropped off a Fight Club Pro shows, though. I don't really mm. understand that, considering how close he was with the promotion as well. And the fans are more charitable there, aren't they? They're going to, at least the ones that were around, are going to give him a chance, aren't they? Even if he is, <laughs> has been shaking some ring rust off. That is a bit odd. Uh, he's not going over Great O'Conn, though. I can't, I can't see it. They've got to save Great O'Conn for those uh, US shows that they've got coming up. He's got to, he's, they've got to keep that guy strong. Oh, they this weekend? Yeah, oh, the first enough, one was yesterday night. Oh, really, was it? I didn't see anything yeah. about it. Those lineups are terrible. It's, it's, a bit, it's bad when 
your great Japanese hope is Great O'Khan on those shows. <laughs> oh, I don't disagree with that at all. Headline act. I'm I'm sure that McKinnon's going over Great O'Khan. I'd love to. I want to see Benno's reaction. I, I'm I'm quite pumped that you're coming down for this should now. We, should we do a bet? Go on, then. mate. As Paddy Ashdown said when the exit poll came out in 2015, he'd eat his hat. I'll eat my. <laughs> I'll eat JP's geezer hat. If, uh, you're not eating it. I like that hat. <laughs> oh, oh we've got another contender for the show. Imagine that. Say again. We've got another contender for the show image now. JP in his in his geezer hat in front of the Richard Benson Hall sign. Oh mate, he looks great in it. He's like a he's like a postmodern docker or something in it. Pretty <laughs> it's not. It was an MS and I liked it. There's as much that was that was the thinking that went in behind it. Okay. Fair enough, yeah. I'll I'll take the same bet then, yeah. If uh, if it actually happens, and he, to be honest, I'd almost take a bet that, that he doesn't lose a match in Rev Pro full stop, uh, and when he does lose, it's elsewhere. Uh, but yeah, be clear that neither of you are eating my hat. That's not. <laughs> we'll come with some. Maybe I'll make Joe wear a, a Progress T-shirt or something. I've got a few in the uh, in the cupboard. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, that's not a bad. That's not a bad shout. Yeah, I can go with that one. Yeah. <laughs> but if anyone's got any suggestions, uh, let us know. Are you going to be cheering on Great O'Khan now? Bloody hell. <laughs> there you go. That's how things. Are, that's how you can get me invested in this stuff. Yeah, I think for me, a lot of it's the fact that you guys are seeing him live a lot more than I am, and I'm having to watch him on VOD, and it's killing me. Oh, uh, I, I can understand that. Yeah. I get I, that completely. That, that's a question, though, actually, actually, Joe. Like, it's not often you watch Rev Pro on VOD. What do you make of it as a VOD pro? What do you make of the commentary? I think it's gotten better. Um, it's still not great, though. I think on VOD it's pretty awful, to be honest mm. with you. Um, I it's funny, isn't it? Because you, you guys will like be raving about a show, and I'll be like, the th- I'll be, I'll be on these podcasts saying, "Yeah, it wasn't that good." Does it make a bit more sense though? Why, uh, why sometimes that can be the case yeah. with the presentation? Because the production values are poor, like mm. really, really poor. Um, some of the editing was a bit off. Um, they don't manage to capture venues especially well. I don't think. I think the York Hall production values are better than, say, this venue. This is a new venue as well. I'm not saying they're much better. Um, the commentary, I don't mind. Um, there's obvious chemistry between Simmons and Quilden. I don't think it's the best commentary I've ever heard. There is advance with the storylines. There's interest from Quilden in the matches as well. He seems invested when he's commentating. So I don't think the commentary is bad by any means. Mm. I'll take this commentary over... Any WWE commentary or any progress commentary, any Logan. day of the week. I, in, the, in the past, I wouldn't have said that. I genuinely used to think Len Joseph was a better commentary commentator than Andy, um, than Andy Quilden. But they were both very shouty commentators, and Andy Quilden has stopped doing that now. So I can live with. I, I can definitely like tolerate his commentary a lot more than I can Glenn Joseph, who's, who's completely gone off a cliff. If I can interject, I mean, having what, talking about the OTT show earlier on, yeah. Angus McNally and now Tony Kelly replaced. Angus McNally is excellent. Mm. Excellent commentator. Yeah, he just sort is. of has the right gravitas for it as well of getting excited without shouting. But, yeah, sorry. It's not an easy job, is it? Like, it's it, at least if we've with and. and with Andy Quilden, even if I, I didn't love him in the past, like you said, he, he knows. He knows. It's like Vince on the on Raw in the nineties. He knows what elements of the story need to get over, and mm. he knows the product in and out. So at least you get that knowledge point of view. Um, and the, like you say, he has got good chemistry with uh, with Andy Boy Simmons. Andy Boy Simmons, who's over in New Japan doing commentary at the moment, which I he's... called a while ago, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's been good though. I've not. Like, heard I, of 
It's early days. I'm definitely not like writing them off now, but I just does. Mate, you know what it is? It's probably the fact that I listen to the podcast and I know that he doesn't follow New Japan that closely, and I can feel him pretending. Whereas with Cyrus, you know he's faking it, but I don't know it feels a little bit more believable. And he's he's also like on Rev Pro commentary, he's a lot more sticky, like he is on the podcast, mm-hmm. whereas he's trying to play it straight on New Japan, and I just don't think he's got the knowledge to be straight color man i think he to be he's got good chemistry with kevin kelly but i think i'm hoping that yeah he gets it gets a bit more relaxed and he can maybe play the not play the fool but you know be be more of that kind of andy boy than than trying to trying to you know be a serious uh color guy because yeah i don't think he's been great i don't know if you've seen any of it jp haven't seen it um i think the first bit of it we'll see is the tag match tomorrow with lij and and zach mm. and uh suzuki so, hoping that he's obviously experienced in calling all of both of those teams at various points, although it's different storylines. I'll be interested to see if he mentions a lot of them being the Rev Pro tag champs as well. Yeah, he does. He brings that stuff up a lot, but it's just like when, like Jay White attacked uh, Tanahashi after the Kashida match, and he said he shouted something out like, "Oh, this is the biggest moment of Jay White's career," and it's like, "Yeah, it's definitely not." <laughs> like, yeah. you know. <laughs> He, he shouldn't be that guy. He should be doing the shtick. And I don't, to be honest, I don't love. I mean, Chris Charlton seems like a, a tremendous bloke, and I like him adding the history stuff. I don't think he's a brilliant commentator either, but he's great at adding those bits of knowledge. I think it'd be better if they had him on the team as well as just the third man jumping in with knowledge. I let Andy Boy be a character because uh, yeah, that was a that yeah. was a very bad call. Yeah, Chris Charlton as Mike Tanay from WCW mm. is, is great. To be fair. Is the Tanahashi Kushida match worth watching? It's on my list. No, it, it's a it's a match. Um, it's a nice moment. I always think it's weird when they kind of give people like these big send offs when they're going to WWE. It feels I know it's something that gets lost. In, they see it like a, they call it a graduation, don't they? Which mm. at the indie level, I think is fair <coughs> enough. But when it's New Japan, it does seem a bit weird. It's like when the you know, half of the Chaos guys were coming out in Nakamura gear like he was dead um, after he left. Uh, I'm not sure if that stuff just feels a little bit small time sometimes, but that aside, it was a nice moment. Uh, but just, it's a solid match, not one you should go out your way to see. It's not it's not quite the same, but it, it, at times it feels like with Kashyyyk, you know, sending him off, it's, it's almost like he's signed for a Chinese Super League side as much <laughs> yeah. as anything else. Where he's cashing his chips in, yeah. Yeah, he's, going, he's, 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 he's doing. Mar- Has Fellaini gone to the Chinese league? Didn't he? Leave? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, same thing. Isn't it? He's gone there. <laughs> he won't like it. Two years maximum, but he'll be. You know, he'll he'll make some good. He'll make some good money without having to slaughter himself. I'm quite glad to not have to watch Kushida for a while. If I'm honest, the, the, he's so stale. The break will do everyone. Some yeah, good. I think so. Going back to the point on commentary, and I'm going to segue us into progress here. Did any of you notice Glenn Joseph refer to pro wrestling as sports entertainment? Yes, on I the did. Progress oh, commentary. No. Yeah. Oh yeah, he did it. He did it. <laughs> yeah. He's definitely been attending those classes, hasn't he? Uh, oh, he's been yeah. drinking that Kool Aid. He's been guzzling <laughs> it down like an alcoholic. I know yeah. you laugh, but genuinely, you know, when he was t- it was him and RJ saying, I thought Progress's commentary was all right, apart from the shouting. But he's just got worse and worse and worse these last two years. Well, he's been getting better in many people's eyes. We're giving him slaps <laughs> on the back in Miller and probably in the NXT training <laughs> facility where he's doing a great job at getting the brand over. <laughs> it's all about the brand. Um, 
he couldn't be aiming any any harder, could he, for that NXT UK commentary job? Vic Joseph better watch his back. Oh, it's coming. It's coming. Yeah. Don't you worry. He'll get it, and he'll be loving life. And you know, fair enough if he does. <laughs> to be yeah. fair, I'd take that job too. But where are we going with these ridiculous progress WWE terminology? Uh, like, I don't know. When Lycos got injured on this show, did he go to a local medical facility? Um, yeah. Uh, is the Progress Universe? Are we going to get the Progress Universe? Is the Progress Wrestling fan group going to become the Progress Universe fan group on Facebook as well now? How far <laughs> do we go with this WWE? Term- it can't be shine. It can't, can't be a universe because they're like they're a, they're a sub brand, aren't they? It should be like like what RBR do. It should be the the Progress neighborhood, the Progress town. Don't have a full universe. Progress planet. Progress neighbors. <laughs> You know, I've got it. Progress that's salt of neighbours, and yeah, you know, I used to love neighbours for many a year. Nah, nah, don't do that. <laughs> nah. But then I like Masters yeah. of the Universe. A WWE Universe might be insulting to He-Man and Dolph Lundgren, <laughs> but hey. What, what, what did you make of the uh, the commentary on the Lycos stuff? Because like, I was, you know, obviously we're all watching it, knowing the news. But I thought yeah. it was quite shocking they left the commentary in because the first twenty minutes of the match is outright Matt Richards and Glenn Joseph going on and on about our Lycos is being <laughs> is talked about to being made of paper and you know he can fall apart at any moment. He's put all this muscle on so he doesn't get injured again. But he's getting targeted by Osprey and Robinson. I was surprised they didn't just mute that out because it it couldn't have been more foreboding. Exactly. Um... Yeah, yeah, it was it was it was really odd watching that match with that. And I think as a match itself, I was loving it. Oh, up, yes. and, up until the injury. Really oh, enjoyed really it. Osprey and Robertson are fucking awesome. I love them so as a team, oh. I'm so glad that the, those those combos that they do, like the chemistry they got with each other. Yeah. Like this is an idea they sort of done a year ago, never mind now, but I'm glad they're doing it. They've got a presence that no other tag team in the world has like when they enter the ballroom there's just a feeling that mm. exists whenever they come out mm. that you just think yeah this is going to be fucking great like those two together there's just an intangible that they bring that just gets me excited and the two matches they've had now unfortunately there's been an injury that's you know been a real life injury that's played into both matches but both of the matches have been so good like mm. if if you know i thought osprey was done with progress He's going to come back for the next year and tag with Robinson. I am absolutely fine with that because they're a proper main event tag act, and mm. they be one. They, you know, one of the best tag teams in the world on their day. Mm. I was going to say that, that we've we've obviously been very high, uh, very critical about the uh, presentation that Progress have had. I actually think when it comes to the Swords of Essex, the way that they come out, the music is is. Actually, quite good. Oh, the bit yeah, Osprey like, comes out. Yeah, to the bit, awesome. the bit that when Osprey comes out with the flags with with Essex on there as well. Um, <laughs> it's it and the way that Robinson is, like you say about the presence and the aura. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Can phenomenal. you believe they were ever a babyface team? Like they're just such a great heel team as well. Yeah, they are, and I have to say, I mean, in terms of talking about the injury, it was. Of something so, what seemed so relatively innocuous. Mm. Bore. Bore. Like, people will go on about how it's a freak accident. Is it a a freak accident when it happens three times? I don't know. Like, I I, I feel bad saying it, but, like, it's the same. It's like, 
it's like well, you're not allowed to say it because he he comes out on Twitter and he's very vocal about the fact it's just an accident. You know, it's yeah. nothing to do with my weight, my style. It was just a, a standard bump, like you just said, which it was. But like any other sport, you know, Darren Anderton was sick note. Um, athletes who go down with injuries a lot do get a reputation, and mm. he's got a reputation, whether it's right or wrong. I, I don't know. Any comments on that on the Lycos stuff? Uh, it's almost <laughs> like you're not allowed to say that it's it's not a surprise because it's not a surprise. Like everyone who heard this news, and it's it's the terrible thing. It's dead sad. But everyone who heard this news was just like again. Um, and you can put any inflection you want on again, uh, and you can guess is it the fact that he put you know come back with with size on has that gone against him? Is it just in general his body? It's probably you know is the, I I don't think he's the cleanest flyer, but in this case, like you say, it was a straightforward bump unless you know something else has happened in the match, which there's no info that that's the case. Mm-hmm. It's hard to to rationalise, isn't it, and put it down to any any individual thing. It's just. It is the same wrestler, and it happened to him again. Um, I don't know. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's it's horrible. Um, as an Arsenal fan, I look quite experienced seeing <laughs> Arsenal players repeatedly get injured, like Jack Wilshire and Abu mm. Diaby over that period of time. And you quite often hear about how brilliant they are, but they'd never get that kind of run of games to come through. And in some ways, it feels like there's a bit of an analogy with this, whether or not it's it's just pure bad luck as much as anything and it's just or is it and you know smaller things there could be so many factors and i think the issue with this as well is obviously we're not there in any of these meetings with doctors so you don't know what it is in terms of of what they're saying about is there any connection between any of these and is there any advice being given and we don't know any of that stuff and it's it's impossible to tell um, I know when we did the I did the post show with you and you and Will Cooling, one of the things that we spoke about is, and Will brought it up about is he is he going to end up filling you know because he is so young is he going to end up sort of almost filling into his body and will his frame be able to cope with this? It didn't seem like uh, of all the stuff. I, it sounds horrible saying this, but when I was watching the match, I was trying to pinpoint where the injury was. Oh yeah, be. I was as well, and. Mm. I felt, you know, I felt somewhat bad about that. And there were times he was doing stuff and I thought, well, is that it? And I was like, oh no, it appears to be getting up and it's, it's, it's okay. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of talking around it. It's mm. just, I don't know. I don't really know. It's impossible for any of us to say what is repeatedly causing this other than, you know, go back to football again. It feels like the time that Ronaldo did his other knee in. At mm. uh, that time, when there was no one else around him, just that kind of horrible freak injury that takes someone out for an extend, extended period of time, and you just hope they come back, like he did You're in two thousand and two. The proper Ronaldo, the, when he was yeah. in the Milan. Yeah, yeah we're yeah, talking yeah. proper proper Ronaldo. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe you can have a two thousand and two World Cup. Then he might end up doing what Ronaldo did and sign with Real Madrid, which might mean signing with WWE. So. The moral of all of this is in about four years' time, he's going to be signing with WWE. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Has, has there been any date on how long he's out for this time? Nothing. Not really any detail on what the injury is, really, other than it being to, to do with his shoulder. There's not really <laughs> a lot of info on it. Um, what did you make of it, Joe? Exactly the same as JP. I think you guys have summed it up uh, better than I certainly can. Um, I just bring stupid references to this show at this point, let's be honest. 
<laughs> and we love you for is there a reference oh, there shouldn't be we, we went with well, it's not well odds so uh. no no like, i think aaron Anderson, jack wilshire ronaldo yeah. <laughs> yeah the football references are quite out what about paul lake the bloke who played for man city oh like, yeah Injury at a young age and couldn't go back. Wrote a great book about it, um, which I recommend, actually, if you want a depressing, bleak read about not making it in football. So maybe Lycos has got a book in the offing at some point about how his career maybe didn't pan out because, I don't know, where's he going to go from here? Um, And I think it's always going to be in the back of people's minds. They're going to be waiting for the next injury, unfortunately. I just feel sorry for the bloke, to be honest. Put yeah. that much effort into what you want to be a successful career in wrestling. He clearly loves it as well. He, you know, during He's got his a great in- attitude for it. Oh, yeah. During his injury, he was everywhere. He was turning yeah. up to show still. He was, you know, making a real effort. I imagine his social library revolves around it as well. It seems like, you know, what a lot of them, a lot of them uh, seem to have that aspect to it, their, their life as well. So mm. hopefully he comes back, but who knows? Who knows? It's a bit depressing, really, isn't it? What do you think happens, more aggression? Um, well, that's going to be, be difficult. Isn't he not booked up a lot with the Ring of Honor? Ah, uh, yeah, there is that. Maybe we, we don't get that this time. Um, Maybe yeah. Brooks at this point, I honestly think, he needs to get better as a singles wrestler. And I think for ages, as I said, he was like Dean Gaffney waiting for Wellard. Wellard got fit again, came back to him. And it's over. <laughs> He's back to the vets. He's back to the vets, yeah. Someone's, uh, I don't know, spiked Wellard's food and weed again like they did that one time where he gets very angry. Um, I think think Brooks needs to go all in on being a single at this point because, like I was chatting about that match of Osprey earlier, he's not excited in singles matches. He doesn't bring a lot in his singles matches. He doesn't stand out. I think that's a bowler and he dropped out a bowler mysteriously with an injury. I've not known a Chris Brooks to drop out of any bookings over the last year or year or two. I really can't think of any at all. Obviously, Bowler would stand out for high profile, but I was of the belief: did he drop out because he knew he didn't have the the ability as a singles wrestler to live up to that work rate style that's demanded of you in PWG? Um, I've wondered that for a while, and I think he really needs at this point to just go fuck it. I've got to, I've got to improve as a singles wrestler. I've got to try this. Um, I think it might be a confidence thing to some degree with Brooks as well. Remember when Super Strong Style is the one that brings that comes to mind for me? And <laughs> Chris Hero, uh, Cassius Ono had his first match in the Indies in God knows how long, and it was against Chris Brooks, and it couldn't have been more average. Like, Could you tell me anything about that match? It that summed up Chris Brooks as a singles wrestler for me. Yeah, it was really boring. And he, you know, he can bump. Um, I remember the match with Keith Lee in WXW, we did a lot of bumping. I think he's best when he's selling. His offense as a singles wrestler is not exciting. Uh, but at the same time, give it a go. Really go for it this time. Um, because we all want to see it happen. It's not happening yeah. yet. But I'd love to see him improve. I'd love to see him remake it because he adds so much to the scene. Uh, he's a you know he's an, a real asset and a valuable asset to this wrestling scene as well. I was going to say, of, of all uh, the, the wrestlers, the goodwill behind Chris Brooks that, that he has... That imagine if he connected as a single star, what kind of value he would add overall. If he could connect as a top single star in a promotion and have some some really good matches. Yeah, and I think outside of us three and maybe a couple of other people we speak to, no one ever wants to say he's not a very good single wrestler ever. Mm. There's a real hesitance to actually say it. 
even though it's kind of obvious. Um, that's because yeah. of goodwill towards him and fair play to him for building that up. He's a smart bloke, but come on, Chris, give it a go. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like this year. Like I, I would, I'd, I would have gone further and say, yeah, he's got great as we always say, great uh, merch table etiquette, and he's everyone's best mate, and he's a lovely bloke. Sounds like Jake. Well, <laughs> he's the JP wrestler, uh, but as a wrestler, he's terrible. But this year, especially with the Gresham team, especially Tag League, um, he's had a, a number of my favourite tag matches of the year, so there's definitely something there with him in ring, but you're right, I think it's the it really is the singles work that's lagging behind, and he is that next level of, of indie guy who can be a actual top star so yeah i I guess we'll see if he can uh, if he can ever live up to that Uh, any other thoughts on that progress show any any anything else stand out it did seem like a bit of a a non-event of a show uh, altogether i actually think this one was one of the better camden shows that i'd seen in recent months i'd seen stuff that was worse than this although of all of the matches that were there it was the the main event was the the best oh, match, yeah. obviously up until up until the injury. Main Ospreys there, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I've only seen the main and, and at, at at this time the, the main and uh, Ridgeway and area had a busy day today. Unfortunately, didn't get to it all. I enjoyed. I, I like that they put Ridgeway over. I like that the the moving forward with him and they're giving him a title shot against Walter. I don't like that he lost the Natural Progression Series uh, final to Mark Davis. If you remember that thing, that yeah. tournament, and he's now getting a title shot before Mark Davis. But I do like that they're doing something with Ridgeway, at least. doesn't say a lot about their booking, but as far as picking who the, the next guy should be, again, I've said it before in this podcast, similar to Brooks, I'm not a huge Ridgeway fan, but I get why you'd go with him, and he, he is probably the right guy to at least try with. Is that Ridgeway, Mark Davis, and Chuck Mambo that will have title shots now, then? Anyone else? There probably is, we've probably forgotten. I saw something on Twitter the other week where somebody... It, may, it might have been Mark Buckledy who said something about, um, I think Mambo and Eva have a tagged shot like from some random Manchester show about a year and a half ago that never got quashed in, and Progress were literally replying to the tweets going, did they? Can you remind us? We'll have to go back and watch the tape. That kind of sums it up better. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, it's that inconsistent booking like uh, yeah. WWE. I suppose it's listening to all that. Wins and losses don't matter. Stuff that uh, the lads backstage in Gorilla are telling them. <laughs> yeah, that's God. Oh, you didn't know. <laughs> oh, no. Wins don't mean nothing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you get yourself blocked again, Joe. Um, <laughs> I was uh, Ilya and Tim Thatcher. That's that's one that I'm looking forward to to getting to watch. But I did hear from uh, Gareth, who did the grapple act, that I didn't exactly. He was there live, and he didn't love it. It, I thought it was good. Yeah. I thought it delivered on at the level I was expecting to deliver. I think Thatcher gets really overrated in this bubble anyway, if I'm completely honest with you. He's good. He's good in WXW. <laughs> um, he's good in OTT. Progress, Thatcher never really, for me, delivers at that high level. Um, Wait, was I, that Walter I, match? I didn't like the Walter match, remember? And I watched oh, it didn't you watch it back and like it? No, no, nah, not to the not to the level everyone else did. I, I don't know. There was something about it I just didn't connect with. Um, oh, I've not liked any of the Thatcher Walter matches that I've seen. No, that's probably a controversial opinion. Um, but at the same time, I thought The Wolf of Wall Street was a terrible film. So, and I love <laughs> uh, Martin Scorsese. Oh. So, yeah, contrary. You know, 
Absolutely. Leonardo DiCaprio crawl into his car. That's a great scene. Come on. Hate it, mate. Absolutely. Oh, it. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you about it another time, but it, <laughs> it went against it. Just, just principles of great Scorsese flawed characters. Like, it, it was a promotion of this guy. It was an absolute cunt. Oh, it definitely was. A lot of people off and made them miserable. And then at the end, when they tried to portray him as this, like, guy who was, like, really cool and he's playing that trick with that pen and you're thinking this guy is evil he's a horrible horrible person and what you're doing is romanticizing and promoting this moneyed culture that the likes of Zack Sabre Jr. and myself absolutely hate this whole (laughs) money is cool bollocks it just does my head in and being a teacher after Wolf of Wall Street came out I got talking to lots of students who went to see it and they were saying to me things like, yeah, I watched that and just thought to myself and said to my friends, I just need to get rich now so I can live that life. And there was a lot of just, I need money. And they, they'd taken the completely wrong message from the film. I and mean, obviously me, uh, being a dick, was giving them the alternative version of <laughs> maybe they shouldn't buy into the film the way they did and sort of. Uh, well, oh yeah, I didn't think of that. So. I, I bet yeah, I bet you when Goodfellas came out, though, there were students who said that about those characters. I bet you when Taxi Driver came out. I bet you when you know, half of his films are pretty much shitty people. Mate, in the lead I was life. watching those films. When I was about fourteen, and I wasn't going right. Where are the local mafioso? <laughs> <laughs> And I, I wasn't going right. I need to go get my <coughs> gun. I need to find a really hot blonde that I'm going to save. Um, and I'm going to go and kill the mayoress of Hampton. That was not going through my head. Yeah. Maybe it was just me then. Uh, sorry? Maybe it was just me then. So you wanted to get, find a Liverpool mafioso, did you? <laughs> yeah. I think every, that's the thing. Everyone, every Scouse lad has got, like, every single batter in Liverpool has got a, a Goodfellas poster on his wall and a Scarface oh, poster on his wall. Like, everyone, every, Scarface is, like, not even a Scorsese film, but Scarface is the prime film for that example where everyone takes the wrong lesson. Like, he literally, you know, he, he becomes a, an absolute a drug addict who dies at the end, but all he can talk about is, like, oh, yeah, you know, he took over the world and he, he shot that machine gun really cool uh, i want to be i want to be scarface people I, take the wrong people have been taking the wrong lesson tony montana was a complete prick if I'm <laughs> and i thought the film was bloated um the excess of anything for me and i think it's a completely mm. overrated film it's, um, it's brian de palma on cocaine yeah oh, yeah yeah massively um yeah de palma's hit and miss for me yeah. um anyway have a I like right. that to you, though. That's it. By Scarface and Scorsese. Um, anyway, <laughs> where were we? Yeah, it was. A, I thought it was a perfectly good match as an opener. I think Dragunov's looking good in progress. He seems to be getting over that a little bit more now. Mm. Um, I'm hoping this continues. One thing I did notice, though, throughout the whole show, ballroom atmosphere completely down. Um, it's not what it used to be in there. There's not as many organic chants. There's a lot of times when people are starting chants, it feels like they feel like they need to start chants and they're not catching on. It's getting quieter in there. The goodwill towards the free mates is dissipating at this point in time, especially since they've started fucking around with dates. Mm. I thought it was really notable. This was one of them, wasn't it? This got me. It was supposed to be a weekender with WSW. Yeah. Yeah. I think even the most hardcore progress fans have got to kind of see the, what we were talking about 18 months ago. Um, 
yeah, there's. But uh, yeah, I, I mean the the next show, like the next chapter, like I was talking to Ian Hamilton about it, and we were kind of marveling at like. I think that I don't know what where they're up to now, but at least like six hours later, front row wasn't sold out. Yes. And at least like a day later, there were still general admission tickets going. I think that kind of says that maybe progress being the secondary concern, um, or maybe not the hot thing uh, anymore, has kind of sunk in with that fan base. Because there was a point where, you know, they 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 Camden was far too small for them. Uh, it might still be, but a little bit maybe alarming strong because they'll probably still sell it out if they haven't already but interesting that the, the culture there has changed with sellouts and maybe a lot of it is the the constant change in dates that we're probably going to see throughout this year and just generally uh the goodwill maybe not being there as well as them not being the hot thing i think there's a combination of that and i think there's one of the, the problems is if you sell out shows instantly it can kind of insulate you from booking decisions and there's things that have gone wrong and because you're selling out you don't need to work as hard you've kind of almost got that guarantee of that being the case the more difficult it becomes the kind of more exposed you can be about well, what are you actually going to headline shows with and one of the big takeaways from this kind is, is obviously we are so close to now that entire split between nxt uk and progress is that going to affect selling out oh, yeah. the, the star power isn't there i mean obviously we're we're kind of in a in a my in a relative minority about being critical about the booking but I think those things coming, what you're going to headline shows with may start to become an issue. If you're a traveling fan and you're thinking about, OK, there's this match that's going to be on on here in terms of the main event. Is it going to be worth the time and trouble to be able to do it? It's going to be it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, you know, no Pete Dunne, no Tyler, none yeah. of those kind of old reliable. Although I would say, to be an honest, JP, like I'd say it's been a positive. I think I enjoy the the freshening up of the roster. Oh, I, and I enjoy what you alluded to yeah. there. This show having barely any NXT UK guys on, unless you count Zillia. Uh I'd rather they went in that direction. Though I find that more interesting, even if yet yeah, maybe it will maybe start to affect uh, ticket well, sales until they, they make these guys uh, stars. I was going to say, saying that, this is something they always had to do. This is probably the time to do it mm. when you still can get effectively sell-out shows. That This is the time to reintroduce people. But how long can that last before there may be some kind of an effect? So there's a bit of pressure on in terms of building up those next kind of tier of headliners. Well, I don't think they're doing a good job at it because do not resuscitate, to me, is a thing. It's kind of dead. Like, mm. this show... the. Do not resuscitate stuff. Wasn't that over? It was very not, nexus. Oh, but it's not been but very strong. They're just kind of there. If anything, I, I just I just think some of the guys who are also doing the do not resuscitate stuff. I don't know. They don't seem to have that same. I don't know. Sort of level of focus or understanding as say like a Jimmy Havoc did when he was protecting his gimmick when he was coming up in progress or maybe the previous generation had when they were establishing themselves via say a progress or a rev pro it feels like they're very much invested in the promotion using them and it's that maybe that culture of being thankful to the promotion for using them rather than thinking no you should be fucking using me and pushing me to the moon and booking me strong because you need stars. I just feel like the attitude is kind of wrong of a lot of the talent. Um, like Spike Trevay, I think, has got all the potential in the world, but I just don't think he protects his gimmick enough, if I'm honest with you. And I may sound like some old-school twat by saying that, but at the same time, I don't know. There just feels like there's a lack of 
presence here after he was doing comedy spots at unboxing when he's meant to be mm. trying to get this hot new uh, badass character in this new faction over. And the faction just feels kind of, I don't know, look at Drew Parker with, with his you know, weird face paint on. And then you've got Spike Trevay there in his, um, I don't know, I'm off to ch- checkers for the weekend outfit. Mambo's and new haircut. Mambo's shite new haircut. Uh, <laughs> a failed Jesus impersonator. And you're just thinking, what is this faction? It, it's not doing The match, the Eddie Dennis Mark Askins DNR match, branding DNR, wasn't that bad for what it was. It was like an all around the arena brawl. I thought it worked. But, I don't know, as a faction, I just don't think this is going anywhere. It doesn't feel hot. I just think to myself, when I think of factions, I think of what they did with CZW in Ring of Honor. So it's a mm. bunch of invaders who were booked strong constantly and got over as this massive threat in the promotion. DNR do not feel like that at any level. It feels like a bunch of odds and ends. There's nothing to piece them together. There's not that one really, really strong presence in the group to kind of carry the load if anything and yeah it's not doing anything Ooh. for me enter jack Sacksmith. well i was gonna say yeah or tk cooper maybe maybe that could be the lead remember yeah, tk cooper they've got the presence and the no. they're gonna be able to carry the load i don't One day, I... What, what once upon a time i might have said that about tk cooper after this last year i don't think i would anymore um... after tk cooper said to jp at riptide and jp said what's going on in progress mate it's ridiculous and he said there's a long-term plan to me. <laughs> yeah. And when I see him doing escaping the mid-car with Chuck Mambo, the bloke's not smart enough. He doesn't understand like how to protect himself in any way. He's not bought into the idea of himself enough. He's bought into the idea of the promotion and the brand. And it's a real shame that so many have done that because they're kind of falling by the wayside. TK Cooper has fallen off a, fallen off a cliff. He's like the uh, Mario Goetzer. Of wrestling at this point, if you ask me, plot his last six twelve months in progress. He came back with the hot, the hot return. He then went into that three way feud with Brooks and Banks, which was terrible. Um, He then turned heel far too late and became like Banks's lackey. He then got squashed by Walter, um, unlike the the ring, the amazing ring cam tag he had like a year earlier, uh, where he was very much the jobber in that case. He 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 was pretending to be an Atlas wrestler as like a comedy joke, and then he was in the pre-show battle royal for Wembley. And that was that was like the the downward slope of TK Cooper's progress here. Um, yeah, as much as I was a fan in the past, yeah, definitely not serious about him uh, taking over. Do not resuscitate at this so, point. It's, it's not even worth it. It's almost tragic. Yeah, no, it, is. it really is. I mean, he's I, the best example when we say the progress booking is bad and people push back. Just look at TK Cooper. Yeah, yeah, it really is, and. Yeah. It's it's funny because what this angle, what this stable needs, and and this is the thing that I got kind of bothered on, bothered by um, in the show, and this also sort of ties in with the Aussie Open, Eva and Eva and Mambo's. They obviously have there was a common purpose at the start of it that all four of them thought they were being like completely overlooked, and then you thought, well, what's the next stage? What are they actually going to do with this? Are they going to come in and destroy the company? Which is something we spoke about a few shows ago about where you could go with an angle like this. At this point, it's about having kind of mid-card feuds, possibly go, you know, going for a tag belt as well. So in other words, playing entirely in with the, what the company wants them to do, which then takes away the whole kind of outsider element because then they're just a faction within it. 
Whereas, so in essence, you start off with the potential of having that hot nexus angle, and then you end up with actual nexus the more and more you go through and the mm. kind of gigantic waste of time that ended up being. Yeah. And what you what you see is something that could be great, but is is being held back. And I, I kind of look at those comedy spots at unboxing, and I thought of that, and I remember thinking, there is no way you should be doing this with what is going to be your hot heel stable act. You'd never see the full bloody horseman doing that. Oh, no. Arn Anderson, comedy. <laughs> Arn Anderson does kayfabe on documentaries. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Still angry about Kurt Hennig taking the money from the NWO, isn't it? I wish Spike Trevay was doing kayfabe, like Jimmy Havoc was a few years ago. He'd be better off for it. Hey, that's on, for sure. the, on that note, like you mentioned Sexsmith before, and Sexsmith, who doesn't seem to be like associated with progress as much as those <laughs> promos he's doing look like they should fit progress, he kind of he tried to jump on the back of a Spike Trevay tweet. Uh, he quote tweeted something about like you know how he could you know be i can't remember what he said but something alluding to you know being part of it and having the same feelings as do you not resuscitate and spike trevay just like kind of just put him down in reply just like yeah no chance mate um and briley of all people like replied to that laughing and i was just like aren't these guys supposed to be taking over you from i don't i don't abide by following kayfabe on 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 twitter but when you've been running this angle on twitter as well mm. like the fact that like the owner is getting involved just to have a little it felt like a snide laugh at jack sexsmith trying to get himself as part of this angle uh it just says everything about yeah how committed they are to to whatever this is um, yeah, and unfortunately sad. what they seem to think of jack sexsmith now well unfortunately for him that just sounds petty on Briley's part. He's done that before when people used to ask questions about Josh Bodum and it was like, no fucking chance. He's never appearing in my promotion. It's like, you're coming across really badly here, mate. I don't know what Bodum did. Well, I've heard whispers. Um, but at the same time, you're not coming off well here when you're kind of, I don't know. And you think about what they did with sex with as well. And he's there laughing like that. Ah, that's the old WWE arrogance bullying culture that's getting into the old bloodstream, I suppose, at this point, isn't it? you got the phrases there. You may as well have the back online slapping. Pi- and the online pylons. Yeah, yeah. That, that's all coming next, isn't it? The old playbook. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Angelico, Jody Fly, started watching that. Angelico shit. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to, want to talk about before we go? Um, any other? Oh ones? yeah, there was a there was a couple of things I wanted to mention. One of which was uh, I'll do this very briefly. Um, friends of the show, Mark Buckledy had uh, had written in about um, the WrestleGate show that he went to, um, and I mean he's he's written a really long piece. Hopefully, we'll get him to to write it up for the Indie Corner website as well. Mm. But it was it was interesting uh, the kind of major point was they were claiming they had 340 people there mark literally counted all of the seats and there was 180 um so it kind of felt like that kind of stuff was into the mix and they had 26 wrestlers on the card they had like this kind of it was like a an odd dynamic of some traditional world of sport matches mixed in with what was effectively a clusterfuck as the second match with Martina and Jack Sexsmith, funny enough, running in. And I think there was uh, any fun police were involved as well. So it was kind of, yeah, look, I mean, through the cards, there were some strange matches. See what you make of these, you two. You've got like James Mason, Danny Duggan, apparently very good. You versus Aisha Redmond, um, which again was apparently, apparently solid. Neewa Sean Custom, apparently, you know, um, 
sort of real spot stuff. Saw Niwa wrestle for attack. Um, Millie McKenzie uh, versus MK McKinnon was the was really the best match of, of the night um, that they had there. Again, MK apparently looking really good. Um, but here's here's a match I wish I'd seen: Bad Bones versus Mil Moetes. Was was it wasn't even the main really? event? Believe it or not, yeah. Bad. Bones. <laughs> I didn't even know Mil Moetes was over. That's incredible. <laughs> I mean. And it kind of makes you worry. You've got 180. I mean, he's not going to come in cheap, is he? Is there a uh, Lucha show happening in London or something? What's he doing over? That's brilliant. Know. No, a one-off date in Nottingham, probably, um, after all of that. Um, yeah, and so he set up Bones as the top as the top heel. Um, Do you not know Mill Waters is a big Forest fan? <laughs> I think he's more of, a, more of a county fan than anything. No, yeah, no, Forest fan. Big fan of the... Uh, Double European Cup bat to bat one inside of the 79 80 season. Apparently. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like D.I. Brown getting Liverpool tickets as far as payday. There you go, yeah, pay. infinite. Tickets <laughs> to the city ground. He gets tickets to the it's city ground. Excited about Martin O'Neill and Roy Keane, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, apparently the next show they've got, sorry, the main event was Ridgeway versus Jake McCluskey, which was, you know, that sounds shit. It, it, apparently, it was it was fine, but it wasn't anywhere near. Jake McCluskey's not a main event. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure Ridgeway is yet. Well, apparently, in the next show, they're flying in four Japanese wrestlers. Who? Oh, I'm not quite sure. That's myself. kind of the story of this promotion, isn't it? There's a lot of that. It's... They've announced a lot of names for shows way far in the future. Um, yeah. Who's behind this lot? Uh, Southside. Okay. Yeah. Isn't it Gary? What's his name? Gary, Gary Ward. But if they use the right for the indie corner. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Any yes. money backing them? Is like, where's it coming from? Don't know. Okay. I don't, didn't like the like. I don't know the man. I saw him around at Carrot, but the fact that he's already writing himself into angles, I didn't love. Um, I know he did something in ring oh. on this show. Uh, that gives me some warning signs as well. Um, and I, yeah. Hmm. That's so. Yeah, there was there was that. So um, do you think it's? Uh, a promotion that's a man's penis extension of sorts. Don't you know. some someone buy a jag or a fat car as their penis <laughs> extension? He's started up a wrestling promotion. That's Most wrestling promotions do seem to start like that. I, I'm not casting any versions on on him. It's it's. I mean, I, I just think in terms of when you're doing the fly-ins, you've got to be so so careful with that stuff. I mean, it just seems to me that you, you know, unless. What value are you going to get out of them? Are they actually going to draw a hell of a lot for you? So it just makes me makes me think on that. Um, yeah, it's like you, you compare like what they're a, a, a new promotion, and fair enough, he's trying to do something that that stands out and and makes them different. But like you compare them to like breed wrestling, who have got like their first show coming up, and they're kind of relying on a lot. You know, your likes of like Omari and bringing over like the Irish town, bringing over more than hype and using people like Shea Pearson and the, the Ojmo and people like that who like using them as, and giving, I don't know, giving a different presentation to, to wrestlers that are, you know, still, still learning, st- still could get better. Even, you know, people like a TK Cooper who we just spent a long time slagging off. That's kind of, if I was going to start a promotion, that's the type of thing I think I'd do. I wouldn't be personally, flying in all these these names that i don't know you know who i mean there's definitely an audience for obscure japanese talent but 
yeah, it, it feels like a big risk your first year of promotion. But what do I know? I haven't, I haven't got the money to start a promotion. Maybe I'm just jealous. Maybe I'll do the same thing. Well, that's it, isn't it? I mean, and you know, thinking of flyovers, I, I, was, I was very, very quickly wanted to mention before before we end up finishing up. Um, have you guys seen the lineup for sixteen carat? I know we're talking lineup. So, well, oh, like yeah, the selection of talent. I the, thought you meant like the first round. <laughs> oh god, no, no, no! I haven't seen anything like that. Um, but have you seen the, have you seen the roster they've got so far, Bello? Yeah, it's looking good, isn't it? It's looking um, like one of the more stacked ones. I know uh, Erie and Mark Davis um, qualified, yep. didn't they, on the London show? Uh, I think there's, is there like two spots left um, altogether. Um, there is a lot of lot yes, of regular WXW announced, yeah. Lots of regular WXW talent on there. Not too many kind of out of the box fly-ins um you know there's pentagon and, and fenix are there uh brother ray Matt, horace really. as well Don't ray horace yeah yeah but everyone else is people who wxw kind of use uh normally so that says everything about it being a really it's an impressive lineup but it's also a lineup of, of somewhat regulars it is um i'm sure it'd be brilliant but, but they're thinking you know how the fly-ins making something that feels sort of they, they will always make it feel special in terms of the match quality. I think we're going to be in for an absolute storm of that weekend. Definitely. Absolutely. Oh, anything else before we go? I think that's it. I think we've covered most things. We've already forgotten loads of stuff, but hey-ho, that happens all the time. <laughs> that's it, yeah. I've got nothing else. Uh, unless you want to talk UFC London, I spent the entire day waiting for trying to get through and get tickets. I don't know if you two were, either, were more successful than me. I wasn't. I was in the queue for about three hours. Didn't happen. Um, but yeah, that's the only, only other notes I've got. Darren Till in the main event. Yeah, yeah, Joe it's Duffy's what... back on the card as well. Oh, that's right. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, if anyone's uh, shifting some tickets, there you go. There's a plug from me. Uh, let me know. Uh, I'm after two. Well, I'm a WCW fan, so I'll be you know thinking maybe next time Bellator's over. I've been by Bellator or Wembley before. Yeah, that's because you just want to see Jack Swagger getting sung out to the ring by our truth, isn't it? That was amazing. That was absolutely <laughs> amazing. They're wild, their shows. They are. It's pure WCW Bellator. Definitely. Uh, cool. Let's uh, let's wrap up there then. Uh, I got a couple of plugs. I'll plug uh, Andy Ogden's done his uh, his normal uh, monthly preview of the Undergraph scene, going through shows from Tidal, PCW that we're looking forward to to going through Road to Glory. We need to get the hotel book lads get that sorted. Yeah. Uh, he also previews Future Shock as well. Uh, that'll be fun. Uh, no PCO on that that PCW show anymore, but there's still Filthy Tom Lawler, and I'm still and really Shake Sham. And Shake El Sham, and I get to show you guys what Blackpool is like, so that's like that's a winner for me. Uh, Gareth from Grapple should be joining us for that. That should be a lot of fun. But yeah, check out Andy's preview on, on that show and uh, the rest of the, the Northern Undergrap scene. Uh, also check out, it should be online now. Uh, we recorded last week, myself and Suit Williams did another monster year in review show uh, looking at progresses 2018. Uh, so keep an eye out for that on the PW Ponderance feed and I'll probably uh, throw it in the Indie Corner feed in a, in a few days too. Uh, other than that, Check out theindycorner.com. Uh, there's a, like I mentioned earlier, there's a Graps and Naps 
uh, from the other Ogden brother going through in a bit more detail uh, the WrestlePro show that I went to. Uh, there's an article uh, talking about Kashida's leaving New Japan uh, by Lloyd Barrett. Uh, there's also a full review of the WrestleGate show from Matt Dugnall. And there's also a Grimsby Graps uh, review of Mega Slam Wrestling from Chris Wilson, who, as I mentioned last month, is still doing the Lord's work, doing those uh, Bill intros on Twitter. Follow him on Twitter at Kidswall. He did a Razor Ramon one. I thought the joke was dead. And then he did a Razor Ramon one where, you know, when the car screeches in the Razor Ramon song, he timed it perfectly with the Bill intro. Check that out. There's a Scott Steiner one that's awesome as well. I'll be checking. I love that Razor Ramon theme and I love the Bill. There you go. (laughs) Check that out. Uh, But yeah, as always, follow me on Twitter at Benson Richard E. Follow JP on Twitter at JPGP. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Bye. See ya.